Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Oh, we're, we're 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 ready to go here. Sorry, I was just uh, I was just over here planning the Oilers Stanley Cup parade. Um, it's gonna start at the Northgate Mall in North Albert, and that's where we will begin. So, uh, wow. just getting everything together. They they've won eight of their last ten. They are the hottest team besides Carolina in the NHL. Two points, like it's unbelievable. Jack Campbell for the Vesna. He's won his last seven starts with the Edmonton Oilers, as Bob Cole used to say. Come on, Zinger. Get on the McDavid bandwagon. Our buddy Chris White in the back, who went with us on the trip yes, down I know, south. I know Chris. He's going to Ottawa for a uh, hockey game. Like He's going to visit family and go to the Flames game. He was going to go to the Oilers game. It's the only sold-out one Ottawa's had because McDavid's coming to town. He got his tickets for the Ottawa Flames game. couple of garbage teams uh, for 80 bucks each. Okay? Guess what his oiler ticket if he was to go to that game which he's not because he's a cheap sales guy in the back. A ticket. Two, 200? Five. Come on. 500 to watch. I wouldn't give you. 2023 Stanley Cup champion Edmonton Oilers. Get on the bandwagon. Where's the high porn singer? Get I'm not me that, playing no high porn that for that. They're ah, in first place in the wild card. Ah, Let's tone it back, Let's man. Go. Well, no, no. They're, they're two points back of the Vegas Golden Knights or whoever's Lee or yeah, Seattle. Yeah, it's Vegas. Vegas, Seattle's around. Get me. Get out of here. We got McDavid and Dry yeah, Sideline. Nah, there's, there's a lot of hockey left anyway, to be played. Let's talk about what's going on in the world of sports here today. Uh, I know you people want to jump on the Oilers bandwagon. 936-6262. Weigh in on anything. I'm right. I'm wrong. Who's your hockey team? Who Whose um, bandwagon are you on? Are Rangers. You yeah. I'm are on you? the Rangers. I you're yeah. a Habs guy. I am, but have you seen where they are yeah, in the standings? Dead, are, second loss. Are you a uh, LeBron James guy? He had 36 points last night at the age of 38. He's the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. I thought that's a record that would never fall. Yeah, I, I have nothing against LeBron James. He yeah. kind of rubs me wrong sometimes. Yeah. but yeah, He's always preachy, but he's a heck of a player. And definitely he's done it at a high level, even though his team sucks. Did you, did you see him swear? He yeah. swore yeah, what is on that? national TV. What are you doing, man? That's Come not. On, that's man. not. Uh, you want to be preached to? You don't do that. Don't do that. You're um, not cool, okay? Yeah, that's not cool. Here's an interesting Super Bowl <laughs> fact for you. All right, this is what I'm talking about. The team that has won the last eight coin tosses has lost the game. Oh, so watch that. Very closely. If you're betting on the games, if you bet, like, say, the Eagles win the coin toss, then you must pick against them in your parlay online. Uh, the Raiders have finally relented. They're allowing Derek Carr to visit with the New Orleans Saints. God, what a horrible destination. That uh, would be. But that doesn't mean he's going to get traded. You see, if he's on the roster by February the 14th, he is guaranteed $40.4 million. So if I'm Derek Carr, I'm like, screw the. 
leaders and I am just going to um, make them cut me so they get nothing for me and then I have a whole month before March to decide where I want to play. He was interviewed during Pro Bowl weekend, and he was asked, like, what do you want for your future? And yeah. he literally said, I want to win Super Bowl. I want to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And New Orleans? That ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Hey, uh, back to that LeBron James thing for a second as we transitioned into more football. What's a record that you think, besides probably Gretzky's points... His goals might be caught by Ovechkin. Certainly was by 51-year-old Yager, who just won't give up playing hockey. He has uh, beat Gretzky in terms of most goals in a pro career, uh, both playing pro and international. But what's a record that's not falling? Like, I don't think Emmett Smith's rushing record's falling or Mike Pringle's in the CFL. Just with the way running backs last now, they don't last that long, and it's always by platoon, right? I don't see... This record be I don't see anyone beating Bruce Smith's 200 sacks. I don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, a, a, anytime soon, at least in my life. And the other one is Favre's uh, Ironman streak. The closest guy was Philip Rivers, and he still couldn't. You have to play yeah. a long time and play uh, at a very high level. All right, let's get uh, get to some CFL news. The Tiger Cats agreeing to terms with former Stampeder Jameer Thurman. Uh, wink, wink, agreeing to terms. The uh, ink isn't dry yet, but it looks like he's going there. The six foot, 227 pound defender, 73 defensive tackles, one special teams tackle, three INTs, two forced fumbles this past year with the Stamps. That's another present opened early. Yeah, early opening. Uh, Dominique Davis is signed with the BC Lions, so he will be their backup quarterback. So that means it looks like it's going to be a Dane Evans, Cody Fajardo when the dust settles. Probably those two guys in Montreal. Yeah to think. How the hell is that guy still finding work in this league? Well, huh? that's right. Some Canadian guys can't get a fair shot at the quarterback How spot. the hell is that guy but still Antonio getting contracts? Pip- Antonio Pipkins <laughs> is getting a contract. Dominic <laughs> Davis is getting a contract. Caleb Evans is getting a contract. Come oh, on. That is just... That's garbage. Garbage. Anyway, uh, and also from BC, and this is good. We had this dude on here recently on the sports cage. The Lions have signed quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. to an extension, tying him to the franchise through 2024. He was set to become a free agent following this year. Like I said, we had VA on recently. This is your, as one CFL coach told me yesterday, your show is national. Everybody's listening to it, so we have all the stars on like VA. And I know I can, man. I've been a winner every, everywhere I played at, man. I played um, on some good teams against some good players, man. Um, like you said, I've always, I've always had that chip on my shoulder being a shorter black quarterback. Um, you know, I think I'm probably the second smallest quarterback in all of football behind, you know, Kyler Murray, you know, so, um, it, it's, for me, I love the challenge. I love that, you know, when people doubt me. But, you know, it, it's all good, man. I'm a pro in this league, and I'm just going to keep showing them, you know, winning solves everything. So as long as, you know, we start off winning and everything like that, you know, everything will be all good. Okay, so uh, that's VA signing an extension with the uh, BC Lions. I want to get into the Canadian receivers in a second, but I brought this to your attention yesterday. So Chad Ochocinco, a former CFL receiver with Montreal, who has given a lot of appreciation for our league, he tweeted out yesterday, or said on, and it was on Twitter, um, these are his top five NFL receivers. So, so... um we, we'll give you our top six. This is our pick six. Don't worry about the music or the intro. We'll just do this generic here, okay? This is our pick six. But here is his top five NFL receivers. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We got Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, 
Keenan Allen of the Chargers, Jamar Chase of the Bengals, and Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. So first off, you'd say, uh, on on the outset, you would say Chad Ochocinco knows more about playing the position than you and I ever will, okay? He's done it both sides of the board, did it very well in the NFL, and I like him. He just seems like a fun-loving guy. A little bit wacky, he's done some stupid things in his life, but I mean, really, who hasn't? But I, I, I gotta take, I gotta be a, a little... Anti Ocho Cinco Chad Johnson, whatever he wants to call himself. Um, here are my top six, okay? Mm-hmm. Six back to one. Number six in my NFL pick six, Cooper Cup. I got Cooper Cup from the Rams. Number five, I do have Keenan Allen. He is a he's one of the best route runners in the NFL. He's being brought up because he might be a, a cap casualty of the Chargers. Stefan Diggs, I have at four. Devontae Adams of the uh, I have a three. I've got Justin Jefferson at two, and I've got Jamar Chase as the best receiver in the NFL, the Cincinnati Bungles. What are what are your six? Man, yesterday I told you that I thought Jamar Chase was number one, and I still part of me thinks that, but yeah. I, I think Devontae Adams is the best okay. receiver in the league, man. I think the, it goes Devontae, it goes Jamar Chase, it goes Justin Jefferson. After that, Stephon Diggs, number five. Probably Cooper Cup and number six is a toss up. Adam Thielen, I think, should be in the conversation. Oh, he's kind of gone down. Um, hey, man, I okay. think he, I think he's still in there. Okay. And, uh, outside of that, maybe. Hey, remember a few years ago when DeAndre Hopkins was like the yeah, best wide receiver? But he's in old the league? now. I'm just saying, times change quickly, man. Yeah, they do change. But maybe AJ Brown. AJ Brown's yeah, in there. He's come back. You know? How about uh, CD Lamb? Tyree Kill. CD Lamb's a pretty good player. Yeah, he's high. Oh, we forgot about the weapon. Uh, Debo Samuel. Oh, yeah. He's a pretty good receiver. Okay, so with that. I in- put him in a different. He's more of like a gadget, you know? He's a gadget. Boy. So with that in mind, so with <laughs> that in mind, we'll get to our CFL pick six in a second here. But first, I want to say this Tim White has a lot of leverage in contract negotiations. They signed Bo Levi, Mitchell, and Hamilton. Stephen Dunbar Jr. left for Edmonton. So Tim White in the locker room is a guy who wants a payday. He's asking, apparently, from any team, $240,000. So Bo's got to throw it to somebody. So uh, there you go. Will the Tiger Cats uh, go after uh, Tim White? Will they even extend further? That's for, Bo Guess. Yeah, for for uh, for Geno Lewis, who, by the way, Geno Lewis, pretty confident in his abilities at the top of the free agent board. He was on recently, too. Oh, I have a lot of respect for so many receivers in this league. Um, and there's, there's guys who, before, when I first got up here, who I looked at and told myself that if I want to be at that level, I have to get to their status. And, um, you know, I just kept grinding, man. I kept doing the things I had to do. And um, at the end of the day, you know, um, my, my film and my stats, they, they speak for itself. Um, you know, I, I can't really – I'm not going to go and, and, and say I'm this and that because at the end of the day, we can all say we're this and that. But it's all about really, you know, what the, what the fans think. And, you know, ultimately me, I'm always going to feel like I'm the best in, in everything that I do. All right. So let's get to our – Pick six CFL receivers, in my opinion, and you can weigh in too, Zinger. I didn't ask you to make your own list, but let's go with our six CFL receivers. At number six, I've got Keen Schaefer Baker of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I think he's probably the sixth best receiver in the CFL, in my opinion. Okay. It's going to be very interesting, too, because 
A guy like him and Dalton showing up until the 14th to sign on the dotted line with an NFL team or they're coming back to the CFL. All right. At number five, I got a fellow Canadian receiver, Curly Gittens Jr. I put him at number five. Had a great year with Toronto. He was the best Argos receiver. Man, he teased us on the sports cage. I thought he was going to test some free agent action. but he didn't. He stayed in Toronto. Good for him. Eastern guy. I guess. Number four, I got the guy with the most receiving yards in the CFL last year, Kenny Lawler's replacement in Winnipeg, Dalton Schoen. I put Schoen at four. So I got Schoen there. At number three, he had a bounce back year, mainly because of his quarterback, I think. But Dominique Rimes of the BC Lions, I got it three. At 1,400 yards receiving. Number two, Kenny, don't call me Jerry Lawler, but he is the king. Going back to Winnipeg, Kenny Lawler was a difference maker in Edmonton, but a little bit high of a price tag. It'd be interesting to see what he got in Winnipeg on that two-year deal. And the top receiver is the guy we heard from, Geno Lewis. I've got a, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Geno's coming to Saskatchewan. Just oh, my opinion. Could you imagine? I think Geno Lewis is... Well, think about it, Zinger. Could where, you imagine? Where else is Gino gonna go? Where and I'm gonna say he can't go anywhere. Like Hamilton, because Bo's his friend. Saskatchewan, he has he has something going with with uh, Trevor Harris and everybody else from Montreal's coming here. Who else? Ottawa? Who else? No, he's coming to Ryderville. I think so. He's it's not coming, these, and those jerseys are gonna be hanging in the store. And I'm going to buy one. 80, who was the last number 87 for the Jason Rogers? French. No, I don't know. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's probably. Right. I don't it know. It was Jason French. I, that's the first one that comes to my mind. I can't. Rob Vanstone, if you're listening, the last prominent 87. <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, we'll that get, is a good question. We'll look into that as we go to break. We'll hear from Jeremy O'Day on the other side. It's the Sports Cage and the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage. Right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. All right, our president, our president, our general manager of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jeremy O'Day, met with the media. Everybody's like, we, we never hear from O'Day. Problem is, when you hear from O'Day, especially in times like this, right before free agency, he can't really, he says a lot of words, but he can't really tell us anything, and that's no fault of his. Like, you want him to talk, but he can't really say anything. This is basically what it was. Can you confirm the reports? I guess if free agency started today, Trevor Harris would be signed? Um, you know, we, we're obviously right in the middle of this this, uh, this this window that we have to talk to all the players, and um, we've had some really good discussions with, with Trevor Harris, and um, they've been very positive, and, and we're excited about uh, getting to the 14th. Uh, so how, how does this work? You, you offer the player a contract, they can agree to it in principle, but it doesn't take effect until the 14th? Um, you can have open conversations as far as the agreeing and you know all that stuff. I you know I I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say. But obviously you have discussions with players and uh, and with their agents and you get to a spot where um, you know you're it's it's looking like it's going one way or the other and you know this it's kind of a, a slippery slope I guess when we're in this period of what you can say and what you can't say. But obviously this window is created so that you can talk to the agents and players. And uh, like I said, we've had really, really good conversations with Trevor and his representation, and we're, we're excited to get to the 14th. Twitter is, doesn't allow itself not to say anything. There's a reporter there that Jake Wernicke used to agree, agreed to terms with you. I don't know if it's the same thing as Trevor. 
Yeah, exact same, exact same situation there, Murray. Um, we've had really good conversations uh, with Jake, and and uh, again, we're just uh, in a position where we're we're waiting to get to free agency so that we can get to that get to that point where these guys are allowed to sign contracts. The window's still relatively new. I don't think you can compare this one to the other two, and you're coming off rather successful seasons to one where you kind of struggled to make the playoffs. Is there a difference in how the window is being approached and how? It, how it's turned out for you? Yeah, certainly. I, I think um, you know you, you, you don't uh, you don't have to be super close to it, even if you're just a, a general fan. If you look at the amount of free agents that we have going into free agency and and the activity that we had prior to free agency, that that uh, there's going to be change uh, on our on our team, and it's and it's uh, change that we're excited about. I think if you look at our our team in the last uh, three or four seasons, I think we had some really good success uh, early on, and I think we slowly uh, regressed a little bit. Um, obviously, last year was a big big regression with with not making the playoffs. So, um, anytime that happens, there's going to be change. The team's going to look different. So, I, I don't think we're uh, going to take the approach of we just had a bad year or there was uh, just just so many things that didn't go our way. Um, we, we took the approach that uh, we we got to make change, and and we're hoping the change is for the better. At this point, what position do you think you got to focus on uh, going free agency? Again, uh, without trying to give off our strategy right in the middle of uh, right in the middle of free agency, I think uh, I think the uh, if you just look at the roster and the and the, and the players that we uh, we have in free agency, you can you can kind of figure out the the areas that you're uh, that you're looking to fill. Um, I think if you look at the st- number of starters that we went into free agency with, um, you can uh, you can you can kind of look at that and see that there's some areas there that we're that we are focusing at, focusing in on, and and um, you know, I wish I was able to be a little bit more open with you right now in the middle of it, but it's uh, just a situation where we're we're right in the, the thick of things and and uh, just trying to f- finish up our plan our plan here. Do you feel your needs kind of match the position to have more depth in terms of uh, potential free agents? Uh, it's a great question, um, and in some cases yes, in some cases no. Right, so uh, there are some positions that. Uh, you want to add competition, or you want to, uh, you know, try to prove or, or make change at. Um, and in some of those positions, there's there's uh, there's not a ton of, uh, of free agents in that position, and and that's uh, uh, there's a reason there's a reason for that, right? So there's certain positions that um, there's more more quality players at than others, and and uh, and then there's other players where where those guys are at a premium. Kind of rumored that Anthony Lanier was going to test the waters of free agency. Obviously, that didn't end up happening. How were you guys able to lock him down? Um, um, you know, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to uh, to get into the to the window and and see what other teams uh, had to say. And you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, gamesmanship and and uh, leveraging that happens when you're when you're negotiating contracts. But um, you know, I think that he just uh, he's at the point of his career. You know, he's been in the NFL for a number of years and and uh, is not a young player in 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 our league by any means. Um, but he wanted to really just get into free agency and, and just to see what other teams had to offer and and you know so um you know we only get they only get to play the game so long so you got to respect that they want to do that and there's other guys that just don't want the headache of getting into free agency they want a deal that's fair and and they just want to uh stay with the team that they want to be with so he wanted to look into uh look into that window um and once we got into that window we just wanted to make sure that he knew uh, he was wanted here we feel like he's a big time game changer for us i think um you know when we had six 
success. It was a lot to do with him being in the game, and you could tell uh, when he's not in the game, right? So we think he's one of the top defensive linemen in the league, and certainly a focus for us is, is trying to make the opposing quarterback uh, uncomfortable, and, and he certainly does that. What's the status going ahead with Cody Fajardo? He's and that's obviously unsigned. Yeah, I think out of respect to all the guys that are that are on our team and under contract right now, I think we'll we'll hold off on any of those conversations until uh, until we get uh, into the the period where the players can sign, and we'll be more than happy to answer all your questions on uh, any of our current players at that time. So we can't read into the fact they're unsigned right now. Does not mean they're not going to be back? Yeah, this late date they won't be. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, we're we're still signing our players. I mean, we signed Larry Dean last night, right? So we're we're still uh, actively pursuing some of our players that uh, are current free agents. So it's it's uh, we haven't turned the page on on uh, on everyone by any means. But there's uh, you know I've said it a lot a lot of times. There's some there's some players that we still want back on our team that we still have offered, and some of them are still just um, testing the waters to see if there's. Uh, Better opportunities for them, or different opportunities for them, and and uh, so we'll st- those are still ongoing, Murray, where we're um, still pursuing some of our own, but uh, obviously having lots of conversations with others. As a general manager, does this window it's it's new, but does it give you a better sense about how free agency might look earlier? Like by, by tomorrow, do you have a good idea about who's going to sign somewhere, who's interested, who's getting offers from places? Yeah, yeah, no, the. Um, you know, I, I think I've said this stuff a few times, but the 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 free agent period, the the, the whatever happens after the fourteenth is is happening now, right? So those conversations are happening with all those teams because, you know, when you're when you're in when you're in this period and you you have a, a substantial salary that you're gonna um, that you're gonna allocate to a certain position or a certain area, you can't just can't just hold it hoping that you know that's going to happen right so there there has to have some very strong discussions with players um and and you have to understand where that money's going to be put towards right so um a lot of what you'll see happening after the signing period opens has happened or is happening so basically free agency is useless is what he's telling you there and um i will tell you this right now too i don't think darnell sankey's coming back Larry Dean's going to move to the middle. His natural position, as O'Day kind of intimated there. I've heard the Riders have offered Darnell Sankey a couple of contract offers of uh, pretty significant um, money, but he has turned them down or wants to test free agency. So look for Darnell Sankey to hit the open market. Jameer Thurman is left to go to Hamilton. So we'll see what happens here. Here's two areas you should be able to find with a competent personnel department. I've already told you that. Receivers? And linebackers. You should be able to get me some American linebackers and some receivers. So Kyle Carson, Jeremy O'Day, Paul Jones, you got to do some work. Get me some linebackers. Get me some receivers. And get some old linemen now. Maybe Sean Lemon. Bring that beef in. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Anyway, we are... Hey, I like Sankey. 120 tackles. But Larry Dean's no slouch. He came back from an Achilles injury. Had 101 tackles. Guy's a stud. And he's a good leader, too. We got a lot coming up on this show. Like, I better shut up here because on the other side, you know what? We're going to take some of your calls. It's our only time to talk football. 936-6262 or any sports. 1-866-767-0620. It's the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. 
is 332 with your sports ticker, and it's for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Just give them a call at 781 2090. Just two games across the NHL tonight. The Vancouver Canucks are in New York to meet the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. And Sam Steele and his Minnesota Wild are in the Lone Star State for a date versus Dallas. The Toronto Raptors are in a battle for one of those playoff spots in the Eastern Conference. They'll have to win these types of games like tonight's. The 14 and 40 San Antonio Spurs meet the Raps at Scotiabank Arena. Opening tip at 6.30 on TSN. Saskatchewan Rush hammered away and picked up a big road win on the weekend in Vancouver. And it was a big game in the team's record books as Rush veteran Cal Rubish is now the longest serving player in franchise history. He set the team record when the team took the floor in Vancouver on the weekend. But perhaps this game, you know, will be remembered years from now for different reasons. As a post-game interview with Rush goalie Alex Bouquet went viral after the game. Check it out. You came into Rogers Arena, faced your former club, and your squad got the W. How nice was it to get the win here tonight? Hey, we followed the game plan and we got the dub. Good on for the boys. Love these guys. How imperative was the penalty kill, especially in the second half? Didn't think of it much. Just, you know, try to stop the ball, you know. I know you're a team guy, so how good are the guys on the back end? Oh, they're <laughs> pop. Here we go. What does this win do for you, confidence-wise? Confidence is pretty high. Another tally on the chart. We'll see ourselves next week. Get ready. Hey, good on the boys, eh? The Rush visit the Scotiabank Saddledome on Friday night to meet the Calgary Roughnecks. Wednesday's censored Rush Report. The Sports Cage is your locker room pass. We're talking riders on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. <laughs> oh my god, I thought junior hockey players were terrible interviews. That guy's taking a few balls off his head. My god, that was terrible. Like, that was... Hey! Might be a great guy. That was just a terrible interview. And what is it with dudes on the... Listen, I am not a snowflake. I'm not offended, but like... He drops that on on a live interview. LeBron James yesterday. LeBron James, this clown. He sets the all-time record for NBA points. Beating Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Magic Johnson's there. James Worthy. And he starts laying down the curses. He's laying down the curses at the end of the... Like, what are you doing, LeBron James? Come on, LeBron, This this guy, this clown act, is the guy who... I'm a late. Fan and I can't even watch them. I respect LeBron James. I think he's a great athlete. Obviously, the proof's in the pudding. But he lectures everybody about everything. Yeah. And this guy's supposed to be a role model. And and don't he tell swear. me he's not. And he mommy, mommy, yeah. what, do, what does that word mean yeah. that he just said? Exactly. <laughs> Suppose Casper's watching the game with Daddy, you. Daddy, what, yeah. what, what, what yeah. does he say there? Yeah, you don't see Giannis Antetokounmpo saying yeah, that. No. You don't see him saying that. No, man. Come no. on, LeBron. No, come on, LeBron. Anyway. On. One short year yeah. after he releases a Space Jam movie and yeah. kids are looking up to him. Yeah. Okay, so check this check this check this out. Okay. Um 
I did a little digging with my friend Rob Vanstone, who is the absolute rider Rolodex, so I give him credit. This is why we need Geno Lewis, okay? 87 has not been represented very well for receivers on both sides of the border. As I think of my Chargers, the only 87 I can think of was Tim Dwight briefly when he got traded uh, in the Michael Vick trade over to uh, when the Chargers didn't want to draft Vick and he was one of the players that they got. John Butler, the GM, got him. He was wearing 87 before he switched to his natural 85 briefly. In Ryderville, Jason French, Yo Murphy... Uh, Tron Armstrong and BK Armstrong. That's it. Well, no, sorry, BK Williams. Tron Armstrong, Jason French, Yo Murphy. I'm telling you what, Mark Habick over at the Rider Store, Kevin the manager over there, like as, as if they don't want to be pumping out the number 87 Geno Lewis jerseys. Man, you can he can make a name and a number for himself here in Ryderville. If Listen, Gino. He huh? would be the best 87 in, in uh, Rough Riders. Uh, am I going too far there? No, yeah, in Rough Riders yeah, history. Probably. If yeah. he makes four catches, he's the best. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Hey, yo, Murphy, I think, had a catch or two yeah. in 07. So, Great cup. So, so, so check this out. No, check this out, though. Can we can we not work a little deal here? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Okay, Gino, here's a deal, Gino. We're going to give you 200000 200000 Yeah, but you'll get all the profits from the 87 jersey. Can we do that? Oh, man. I don't think we can do that, but can we do that? For, the, quick? for the Packers, I can think of Jordy Nelson, Robert Brooks, yeah, and the Packers had a punt returner in the 80s. I think his last name was Stanley. Walter Stanley, he wore 87. Yeah. Think about that, though. Think of 87. Reggie Wayne's a big one with the Colts. I can't think of Rob two. Gronkowski. He's a tight end. Though. He was an eighty-seven. Oh yeah. No, he wasn't. Rob Gronk was he? Gronk was eighty-seven. No way. Yeah. Dwight was he? Clark. Oh, Dwight Clark. Yeah, the catch. Uh, By the way, do you know the interesting story about Dwight Eric Clark? Eric Decker. That, that, that pretty boy receiver, <laughs> remember him? Get Eric Decker out yeah, of here. Yeah, pretty boy, remember? He was all about the Gronk was 87, yeah. What, yeah. Was, uh, what was that murderer Hernandez? What number was he? 81. 81. That's where I get them confused. Anyway, they were both meatheads. One was a was a, just a meathead. The other one was a, a murderous meathead. Yeah. All, all right, so uh, I kind of... Oh, yes, there we go. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. Thanks for reminding me, Zinger. And it's my buddy uh, Ben Garrow joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Ben, I know you're a, like you, you, you live in Saskatoon. You got your advantage collision in Saskatoon and PA. So you do travel in for the games. Um, obviously... 2022 was a big disappointment. Have you recovered yet from it? <laughs> it was pretty disappointing, hey? Yeah, it was really disappointing. Um, yeah. But, hey, brighter things are – they always say, Ben, that um, things are never as good as you think they are and never as bad as you think they are. Probably applies to business, too. I'm not a businessman. I'm just a sports announcer. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it didn't look good, but I don't think we're that far away either with the right signings. I don't think so either. And actually, over the last two days, it's been pretty good. Hey, eh? with Lanier and Robertson getting signed. And, yeah, Lanier's a big uh, one. Right? Out to Trevor Harris. Yeah, Lanier's a big one. Lanier is yeah. a big one. He was a he was the defensive catalyst. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the Sankey and Dean. Yeah, Trevor Harris. How do you feel about that, Ben? 
You know, I always liked Trevor Harris, actually. Uh, I remember when he was a backup in Toronto and he, he came on for, must have been Ricky Ray. And, man, I'm like, wow, that guy is a starter, or starter potential. So I like him. He throws something. He gets rid of the ball quick and uh, he's accurate. And, uh, yeah, I think he's like a, a win because of guy, you know, not win with, but you could win because of that guy. Hmm, interesting. That's a way, good way to put it. So would you throw a lot of money at, like, say, Geno Lewis's old running mate in Montreal, or, or would you do what the riders say they're committed to doing, building the offensive line and then try to fill in the rest with the receivers? Because we got a pretty good re- uh, running back core. We do still have some good receivers, depending what happens with Key and Schaefer Baker. How would you approach it, Ben? Well, you know, <laughs> uh, good costs money, and great costs more money. And so, like, uh, like I, I think you're right. I think like Linnaeus and Emilius and uh, and Schaefer Baker, if he comes back, uh, and uh, Justin McKinnis too, right? Yeah, yeah, he's got to yeah. he's got to resign, but uh, he was showing some promise. I um, I would like to see him add one big target receiver, but you know, maybe you can. Uh, you know, maybe you can get a Tim White, depending on how free agency goes here with the signings. Well, I like Lewis, uh, mostly because he played with uh, Harris before. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you're and right. You're right. You, you, yeah, you do need a weapon that can break. That's one thing the Riders, even with the guys we mentioned coming back, they're not real game breakers. Like, Kean Schaefer Baker can break it a bit, but they're not real game-breaking players. Not, not yet. No, and then, and then you know, if you... If you got a guy like uh, Gino Lewis or Kenny Lawler, and then you went and found some speedster down in the states in those free agent camps, uh, I think that would I think that would be really good for the receiving core that's already there, right? Are you um, Are you still feeling pretty positive about our, our leadership group with uh, Coach Craig Dickinson and uh, GM Jeremy O'Day, or did you want to see more in the off season? Um, well, you know they still got spot. I you know what. <laughs> I think they deserve another shot, right? Because uh, 19 was good, 21 was pretty good, 22 was bad. Like, I mean, I think they do deserve another shot. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some injuries and stuff, and um, I do, but they're on the hot seat. They've got a – it's playoffs or – we're gonna see is it just is it just is it just playoffs? Like they got to the West Final. To me, to me, they got to get back to at least the West Final. Like they got to show a lot of progress here, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Or or at least, I mean, I don't know how tough the West is going to be. Usually, is very tough. Uh, but I mean, they've got to show lots of promise for. If they don't get to the West Final this year, they got to look like they're right on the cusp of it, right? You're a CFL fan. Are you happy with the way the league's going? I mean, I, I'm a little concerned with Montreal. It seems like it's a dumpster fire again. Yeah, there's always something that seems like, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so far so good. Like, I, you can't be unhappy about BC's situation. No, Doman's doing a great job. And Edmonton, I think, Quee's trying off the field. We'll see if Chris Jones, usually in year two, Chris Jones gets it turned around. He will. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I like Chris Jones as far as he is a very good football man, right? He's going to, he's going to have a team that's going to be at least in the, in the hunt for third place anyway. 
Yeah. Well, you call back after free agency's done and let's uh, reconvene and, and then we'll go with the prediction maybe to see what we think the record's going to be. Yeah, I'd love that. Hey, Brett Jones, man, that would be a good Yeah, game. I don't know. Like, uh, that's one that the riders can't control. It's med school, right? Like, if he gets into med school, he wants to move on. He's done all he can in football. Uh, but if not, he does want to play again. So it'd be interesting. It doesn't sound like he wants to venture too far from Saskatchewan, if at all. So that would be nice. Be awesome. Thanks for your time, uh, Ben. Thanks for listening to the show. All right. Thanks, Baldy. Yeah, thanks to Ben. You can call in to 936-6262 in town and uh, toll-free 1-866-767-0620. Are we supposed to say toll-free anymore? That seems so outdated. Yeah, what year is this? Come on, it's 2023. Long distance law? I don't know. What does toll-free mean? You don't get charged? You don't get charged. Like even on your cell phone? You can pick up the call or pick up the phone. Yeah, but but it used to be... Yeah. But now you're on a cell phone, so you don't get charged. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know, I don't know how that That's works. That's above man. my pay grade, man. Don't ask me that <laughs> kind of stuff. Yeah, I know I more. Just click buttons, man. I know more about life than you, but we both don't, I don't know, know much. We man. don't know anything about that. No. Um, all right. So, uh, did you agree with kind of my CFL receiver list? Yeah, there? I did, man. I did. I think I would pick Dominic Rhymes over Kenny. Would Lawler, you? Though? Would you? Oh yeah, man. Really? See some of those catches he made last yeah, year. Yeah, but Kenny Lawler's oh, a good player, man. He burned the Riders. Well, yeah, whatever. Kenny Lawler. So, Riders' first seven games, what do you think the record's going to be? Let's go on the premise that Trevor Harris is going to play. First seven games? Without We're gonna, and let's go. We got Geno Lewis and Jake Wynicki in our receiving core to go along. I don't. I need to know who the Hoggies are before I'm yeah. making these type of predictions. Okay. Too early? Yeah, too early, Okay, let's man. make the prediction when I come back from my vacation early March. Oh, yeah, I can do that. I'm, like, I'm Give all, me a call then. And I, you know what? Listen, everybody says, Ballsy, you're a dummy. But listen, look at me. I was here for the meaty part of the free agency, and I thought, oh, I'm going to miss everything. I actually got everything. Yeah, you got everything, man. Except for Gino. Gino, yeah. I, I wish you're the You're like rider- the Grinch. You stole Christmas yeah. early. Could now, the, you're, now you're leaving country. Could the riders <laughs> please announce today that they've agreed, or somebody announced that they have agreed to, the riders have agreed to terms with Gino Lewis? That would be great. Or Darius Sirocco. Yeah, how come no or le- Michael Couture. How come no leaks have come out yet about that? You know, we've yeah. heard about every other player. Yeah. Maybe, I guess, Gino doesn't know where he's going yet. Maybe not. I think he does know where he's going. He's just waiting. Well, he's playing us, is he? Yeah, I don't know. I think he might be. Oh, uh, can you imagine having Gino on the show regularly? I don't think I can, but the I Gino want to. Gino me too. I want to. We're going to take a break. You want to get in? You can always text 936-6262. Our text line's powered by Capital Ford Lincoln at the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua. Still to come. 405. Wayne Larravee, the longtime voice of the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going into a dark retreat. What the hell is that? That guy is a certifiable weirdo. <laughs> this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM. Uh, your dad, though, speaking of old guys, he's a legend. What a legend. What's it like to be the son of a, a legendary hockey player here in Regina? Oh, it's it's awesome. I don't think I'd be where I am today without my dad. He's such a big part of my life, and everyone knows his name, and now it's it's transferring down to me, and it's just awesome. Great when people are talking about him, and I can relate because he's told me all the stories about him. 
<laughs> that is the best. That's the best. I played junior football, and I used to tell my son, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And then he found some old clipping, newspaper clippings. He goes, you actually were pretty good. I said, see, I tried to tell you, kid. So it's good to see it's not just, uh, it's nice to know that it's not just your dad doing that. I've done it. I've done it, too. Um, you did score a goal in the preseason here for the PA Raiders. Tell everybody you played for the Pat Canadians, right? And you uh, were drafted by the PA Raiders. You did score a preseason goal here. What was it like to score a preseason goal at the Brand Center playing against your dad's alumni? You, you get to look at your dad's, you know, jersey and his uh, image up there in the rafters. Oh, my. It was surreal. I still can't even believe um, what an experience. And just so happened that my dad was in the rafters and he's sitting there watching me and just, I remember just right when I came off the ice, there was a reporter there waiting to talk to me. And so it was so awesome and what a cool experience. How's the season gone for you in regular, like your regular season hockey going so far? Um, our team's doing really good right now. Um, I'm a first year in midget, so I got to adapt to a new role. I'm not, not the scorer like I have been in previous years. So um, adapting to a role and we've got a great team here, some great coaches, and I think we can make a run. Uh, for the championship here. So what's that role, Dayster Catch? What what role uh, are you playing right now? I think my role is more of a PK defensive centerman. You can also be relied on in the offensive end as a power play, a second power play unit guy, or it can be put on for those big faceoffs in the last uh, two to three minutes of the game. So how humbling is that? that You were probably at every level the guy that they went to to score goals and and talked about, obviously, with that last name. How humbling is it to to be kind of the ditch digger, as it were? Yeah, um, it really opens your eyes to the full game because uh, you're used to just looking at the scores and the top players, and you don't really notice how much of a role the bottom guys can play on a team and how much you know what, you're in that bottom row, but you can work your way up each and every night. So it's uh, it's just eye-opening for sure. It makes you uh, learn the full game of hockey. When I was a guy just younger than you, uh, so you're going to see how old I am. When I was a little bit younger than you, I watched your dad play uh, for the Pats, and he was my favorite Pat when I was watching him uh, back in the early uh, 80s. Um, I, I often wondered, man, uh, what could Dale Durkatch do in today's NHL? Does he ever talk to you about when he's talking about old days? Does he talk to you about that? Because your dad could have been a pretty productive player, I think, now. Well, I always bug him because I see the clips and the goalies come out to the bottom of the circles. <laughs> While he's shooting it from the slot, I mean, they're coming out to hit him instead of staying in the net, so of course he's going to score. But uh, he always bugs me. There's Ron Hextall, Patrick Waugh, all these good goalies that he would have shot against, and they're all Hall of Famers, so... Yeah, you, uh, it's just it was a different era back then. You tell your dad uh, he shot. You're right, Dace. Your dad Dale shot on goalies that wore Sears catalogs. You don't even know what the hell that is. There's no such thing as Sears catalogs. No. They 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 have these little spindly pads, and now goalies have more uh, equipment than a hockey store. Uh, who's your favorite player to watch these days? Either junior like Bedard or um, NHL. Yeah. Um. If I had to go with an NHL player that I really have been watching a lot lately, it's been Sebastian Ajo. Oh, yeah. Um, I model my game after him. He's uh, been playing very good for Carolina. He's someone that they rely huge on. And he's not only good offensively, but he's also very smart and plays good defensively. Mm -hmm. And he's a bit um, 
smaller. He's not the biggest guy in the league, so I try to watch and see what he does so I can uh, model my game and try some of those stuff in my game. Dace Durkatch joining us here, the son of Dale Durkatch. We know the last name, and we're going to get to know this kid's first name. He's with Team Saskatchewan out at the Canada Winter Games there in PEI. Ever been that far east? No, I have not. This is a, it's my first time. It'll be a great experience. It will be a great experience. Your team's supposed to be pretty good. Tell us about the Team Saskatchewan squad. Yeah, we've got um, some very talented players. I think we've got three guys in the top ten of the WHL draft this year. We've got very solid defense, and then our goaltending is off the charts. We've got two of the best, I think. So we can make a run for it. we got to... Um, some of the skilled teams, we might not have as much skill as some of the other teams like Quebec and um, mm-hmm. let's just go with Ontario. But if I think if we hit them and knock them off their game, I think we can uh, have a chance to make a run here. So, uh, Dace, are you uh, a ditch digger on this team, as I used the term earlier, or are you uh, going back old school? Um, You're going to be a goal scorer in this one. Um, I'm going to try and be a goal scorer. Uh, right now, when we did our pre-game, that was on the third line, I was more, in more of a penalty kill role again, which... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? He says you can't score goals on the PK. So that's right. It'll be uh, it'll be a good experience, and I'm going to work my way up. Man, you are. A, I could tell you've been raised right by your mom and dad. Let me tell you this, man. Have you practiced interviews in front of a microphone? Because, like, in front of a fake microphone in a mirror or something, you're real good at this. <laughs> I have not, but uh, sometimes my dad will uh, ask me some questions that he'll ask the guys up for the NHL draft. So, uh, yeah, that's right. He's a got a bit of practice there. Yeah, he's got the scouting. Uh, he's got the scouting uh, background for sure. Um, what's on your playlist then? I'm going to ask you. What's on your playlist if it's not that rock and roll? What are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to a little bit of uh, go with Juice World. I like Juice World. He's a little rapper. Mm-hmm. Probably don't know him. Yeah, he's dead now, isn't um, he? <laughs> Yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm not laughing, um, but he did die. Off, my my you know? my son's a big Juice World guy too, so that's how I knew. That's oh, yeah, it. So yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Who else? Uh, Taylor Swift's pretty good. Okay. Uh, just uh, not pre-game though. And yeah. then uh, to pump me up, I like some of that electrical stuff. You know, um, yeah, the, uh, good beat to get you going. Tell you what, man, you're going to score 15 goals in the tournament if you lock yourself in a room, listen to Ozzy Osbourne, listen to Metallica, listen to friggin' Van Halen. You got me, Dace? Sounds good. I'll do that, and once I score 15, I'll uh, let you know that I completed. We'll have, you, we'll, we'll have you on again. I'll get you listening to rock and country before we're done. Thanks for your time, man. I appreciate it. Okay, good luck down in PEI. Thanks for having me. What an honor. That's a good young guy, Dace Durkatch, son of the great Dale Durkatch. We'll be back with the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, after the 4 o'clock news in the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Sean Nixon back deep. Here's the run-up of the kick from right to left to restart the game. And this one carrying into the end zone about four yards deep. Here comes Nixon to the five. Left hash marks 10, 15. Hits a hole hard. He's to the 25-30. Breaks into the clear. Keyshawn Nixon is off to the races. It's Secretariat at the Belmont. Down the stretch they come. No one will catch him. It is a touchdown. My goodness. All right, the outstanding voice of the uh, Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, joining me. I see you were skiing. Where were you and how was it? 
<laughs> well, we were out in uh, Utah, and it was great. Uh, they've had tremendous snow at Alta and uh, Brighton, and uh, Park City was very good as well, both uh, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. It was great. I mean, the snow out west, and I know they're getting some of the Canadian Rockies as well, um, but, boy, the west really needs the snow. They need the snowpack because, uh, you know, the water table and, and that part of the, the world is really down over the last five years. Wayne, when I took over this job with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last year, my first calling games, the best thing I found about YouTube is I could go around and listen to announcers, and I uh, got a compilation of your calls just to pick up on some things I could use or the delivery. I think you're one of the best, along with Kevin Harlan, at describing things for a radio audience. Who did you listen to when you were breaking into the business, if you did? You know, it's funny. I, I uh, when I was in high school, it was the early seventies. Um, I was listening to Marv Albert. He was doing radio uh, for the Knicks and then the New York Giants, and I got a lot of my stuff, you know, uh, my, from him. I, I mean, I kind of took in, inspiration from him. Uh, most people know him as a uh, television announcer, broadcaster, but he was really terrific early in his career on radio, uh, doing those games. The Knicks teams were wonderful in those years. They won two championships in like four years. Um, and the, the Giants weren't very good, but nonetheless, I thought his football was excellent as well. So I kind of took, um, you know, in, inspiration from him. Who is your best friend in the industry in terms of play-by-play guys? Like, you know, uh, uh, if somebody's a mechanic, they might, okay, I, I need some tips or I, I want a, some advice or I, I, I'm going to try to, you know, talk to a, a colleague. Is there a guy you not lean on, but your best friends with in the industry? Well, you know, my best friend in the industry is is not a play-by-play guy, but Hob Arkish, who is the uh, uh, publisher and editor of Pro Football Weekly. Nice. And uh, we've worked together for decades. And I really, have, uh, you know, he's been uh, kind of my go-to guy in terms of uh, football. But um, from a play-by-play standpoint, there are a lot of guys I really uh, like being around. Uh, you know, Brad Sham down at Dallas with mm-hmm. the Cowboys. I really admire his work and what they do on that network. Um uh, you know, uh, Mitch Holtis with the Chiefs is is excellent at what he does and uh, what they do with the Kansas City uh, broadcast. Um, Merrill Reese, of course, the dean of all these broadcasters uh, with the Eagles. Um, you know, he's he's just a joy to be with, uh, you know, when you get a chance to, to visit with him. So there are a lot of guys out there, but most of the guys I've met have been really good people. Hey, besides Lambeau, Wayne, uh, your favorite place to call an NFL game? Wow. Uh, you know, it, it's getting to be to the point in the NFL with these new stadiums, especially. Mm-hmm. It depends on where you're at. You know, where you're, where's your broadcast position? Um, you know, and most of them are getting kind of difficult now. They're moving it down around the 10-yard line or the corner of the end zone. It's going to be really hard to call games on the road. Lambeau's my favorite, obviously, because uh, of uh, our location is tremendous. We're right on the 50-yard line. We're high up, but we're right in the middle of the action, and uh, it's been my favorite. Uh, Kansas City used to be the best place in the world to call a game from. Uh, when they went with the re- uh, refurbishing of that stadium, they moved uh, a lot of the radio upstairs. Now you're talking, uh, you're probably 10 or 15 stories above the action, and you're in a glass-enclosed booth. It's, it's now the worst place to call a game from, one of the worst. Washington is easily the worst. But the best, uh, among the best, I tell you what, Giant Stadium um, in the Meadowlands is very good. I, I really like New England. You're kind of low, but you're right in the middle of it. You're not far. And, um, you know, Denver is wonderful because of the uh, 
the crowd in Denver. That's just a, a great place to do a game from. There's so much into it. I uh, I saw your picture from the booth in Miami. I'm like, that's crazy. You were like in the corner there. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and glass enclosed and everything. I got sick on that trip, uh, actually. And, you know, um, but yeah, it's a little germ incubator in the corner of the end zone <laughs> in Miami. It's terrible. And by the way, yeah. the home radio is no better. Uh, they're one booth over. Oh, so wow. they're, they're one booth over from us. So they're no better off than we are. And, um, you know, just glad I haven't had to work home games from a place like that. This is the uh, smooth-sounding and outstanding broadcaster, radio announcer for the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee. Uh, where did you come up uh, come up with the "There's your dagger" line? <laughs> it's an old basketball term, you know. Uh, we used it a lot during the Jordan era with the Bulls. I was doing the games mm-hmm. on WGN TV, the Superstation, and um, you know, it, it just kind of. I was doing a Bulls game one Saturday night, and the next day I was in Green Bay to do the Packers and uh, Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, it was a back-and-forth game. And, and the dagger call is a basketball term when, you know, let's say they're 15 seconds ago, somebody hits a three-point shot or whatever, and, um, you know, it's now a two- or three-possession game and there's not enough time for the other side to catch up. So there's your dagger, uh, you know. Mm. But uh, it kind of came into football that next day, um, in 2000, I want to say it was, you know, and the Packers were in an up-and-down battle, and, and all of a sudden Brett Favre hit Bubba Franks in the south end zone, and I just blurted out, and there's your dagger, because it put them up by three t- uh, three scores uh, with a little over four or five minutes ago in the game, and that was kind of the end of it. Uh, but that was the start of the dagger call, and and it kind of took it on a life of its own. My uh, producer who lined up this interview on the other side of the glass, Sean Kleisinger, is a huge Packers fan. He's a shareholder. He knows everything. He listens to you meticulously. He said you've never been wrong with your dagger call. So is it a gut feeling, <laughs> or do you look at the clock and go, go okay, I can, I can use this because I'm not going to be wrong? Well, um, you know what? Uh, the only time it was wrong was uh, in Seattle. Uh, oh, yeah. the replacement officials in yeah. that famous Monday night game blew the call in the end zone. Uh, yeah, the dagger was already out there, but uh, they, <laughs> they, uh, they misruled on that. And Russell Wilson and the Seahawks beat the Packers that night. And the next day, the uh, replacement refs were gone, and the, <laughs> the NFL made a deal with the new refs. The, the, here's the deal on that game. That was interesting because um, the NFL, uh, you know, they, they consulted with New York, and the NFL felt that if they reversed – that call in the end zone of touchdown, and they should have, on replay, they mm-hmm. should have, um, that uh, they would have a riot on their hands, so they let it stand, and then the next day they, they uh, swapped out the officials. They got the regular guys back in, and the union uh, came up came to terms with the union on a new deal, and, and uh, you know, we haven't seen a strike since then, but that was how egregious that was. But, uh, let's, let's that's be, the only time it's been out that it's not worked. Yeah, let's be honest, Wayne. They changed the, you know, they changed the rules, got rid of the refs, and settled the deal because nobody messes with the dagger call. That's what it is. Nobody messes yeah. with the dagger call. <laughs> right. Yeah, see? See? You don't mess with the dagger call. We're going to get to Wayne if you can hold on for a second there because we do got to talk about Aaron Rodgers. He's going on a darkness retreat. He is going to a home that is pitch dark, no phones, no sound, nothing. He can leave when he wants through one door. This is the truth. This isn't a movie. It's not a sitcom. This is Aaron Rodgers in some, I don't even know where it is. It's a dark house. 
And he's going to decide what he's going to do. But let's ask the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, what he thinks about Aaron Rodgers' future next on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Yes, LeBron James, all-time leading scorer in the NBA. What an accomplishment. You can come at me at 936-6262 right now because I'm going to tell you right now, the best athlete ever in professional sports, Bo Jackson, mic drop, and a debate. Just looking at some of his stuff on Twitter and stuff like that with the with the haters and the Royals in baseball. He is the greatest athlete of all time. Come at me. Who's better? Can't think of one. 936-6262. You can weigh in, too, on the topics of the day. We've got the Super Bowl coming up, and we're very pleased to continue our conversation. Ballsy here along with my producer, Sean Kleisinger. He is smiling like a butcher's dog over there because we have got the voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larravee, and let's head back out on the Western Pizza Hotline. Settle this for me, okay? Because I get this with uh, Packer fans, uh, Sean included. Who's the biggest rival? Is it the Bears or is it the Vikings for the Packers? Well, for the fans, it's the Bears, okay? Because, and that goes back generations. But I will say this, in the locker room, probably the Vikings because that's been the more competitive um, you know, matchup, the series so far. You know, but for the fans in the stands, it's very much uh, still Chicago. Mm-hmm. The guy who's owned the Bears is Aaron Rodgers. He's apparently going on a dark retreat to hopefully decide what he's going to do with his future. Uh, from your perch way up there in Lambeau Field, is he back on the field with the Packers next year, or is he somewhere else? <laughs> That's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Yeah. I Somehow, some way, my gut tells me he'll be back. Um, that he'll play next year. What I don't know is where. And in, uh, you know, I I, I think the, I don't think the Packers did this deal as big a deal as it was uh, for one year. Even if that one year didn't work out very well, um, but uh, I, I, I still I think from a team standpoint, my feeling is based on on the people uh, I've heard and talked to. Um, I know the team wants him back. Okay, so if he's going to play again, I think they'd rather he play in Green Bay. Um, now, there's some other extenuating circumstances. You know, uh, I mean, what do the Packers do in this case? Um, mm-hmm. Do they bring back Rodgers and his posse and basically run this thing, uh, run it back? Um, you know, they've been trying to get back to that Super Bowl. They've had some Super Bowl caliber teams. Uh, in the previous two years to last year, but um, didn't get to the Super Bowl. So, you know, there's only so long you can run a group of players back out there and and get the desired result. And I think that's probably the question that uh, they're asking right now. Okay, we bring back Aaron. We bring back these guys that are, you know, key to what he wants to do. Um, Are we just running it back or are we really, you know, turning the page to a new season? So, um, that's going to be the interesting point. But, Wayne, don't they – you look at the landscape with Tom Brady retiring now, depending what happens with Derek Carr, uh, you know, Philadelphia is good, but people got to get paid there, including Jalen Hurts. It's not an overpowering NFC. Like, I feel Green Bay could run it back and have a good chance. You know, that's a good point. Um, but Philadelphia is very good, as you mentioned, and Jalen Hurts really came into his own and became a quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. You know, That was the big question on him. Uh, you know, you knew he could threaten you with his legs. Uh, you knew he could run the football and do some interesting things. 
but could he read a defense? Could he sit back there and pick apart a defense? Could he be an NFL quarterback and deliver from the pocket? And I think he proved that he can. Um, you know, I think Dak Prescott, for all the, the grief he uh, endures, I think he's an excellent quarterback. There are several good young quarterbacks in the NFC. The big names are in the AFC, mm-hmm. and they are huge. Uh, when you look at Mahomes, uh, Burrow, and Allen, uh, those three names, uh, they tower above everyone else in the league right now, in my opinion. Um, so uh, you're right. There is maybe an opening, maybe a glimmer of an opening in the NFC, but but quite frankly, there's some good young teams in the NFC that are coming up as well. So um, I, I would like to see the Packers uh, do a combination of reloading and not rebuilding, but um, that remains to be seen what happens here. Uh, I think they feel like they're close, but um, you know, obviously you need a few more things to, to go their way to, to get to the next step. And um, you know, they've had a couple of teams capable of winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2021 team uh, certainly was beat both the teams in the Super Bowl that year. Um, the 2020 team was very good. So was Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, Brady and Tampa Bay were just a little bit better uh, and beat Green Bay in the NFC title game. But I, I'll tell you what, um, you know, it, it'll be really interesting to see where they go with the Packers from a personnel standpoint. I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason. I have a lot of faith by the way, and Brian Gutekunst and his people in the front office. Two more quick questions for you, Wayne, and we'll let you get back to your offseason here in Super Bowl week. Uh, Jordan Love, what can we make of this guy? Do we know enough to, to know what to make of this guy? Well, here's what you know, and here's what you don't know. All right? You know that he's improved. You know that he has the arm talent and the athletic ability they look for in a quarterback in today's NFL. Um, in the last two years, he's really come a long way. Um, we've seen enough of him in training camp. We've seen enough of him in preseason games. We've even gotten a glimpse of him occasionally in regular season games, and he did a nice job this year uh, in Philadelphia when uh, Aaron Rodgers went down due to injury. Um, That's what we know about him. Uh, They feel good about him. Do they need to see more? No, they don't need to see more of training camp. They don't need to see more of preseason. Uh, They don't need to see more of him coming in for a quarter or a half or a couple of uh, series during a regular season game. What they need to see and what they don't know they have is what kind of quarterback is he when you hand him the keys to the car and he drives off the lot? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is he the kind of guy who can lead a team? Does he have that intuitive, quick twitch gift that the great ones have? And most quarterbacks don't, but the great ones do. Um, to recognize that the snap of the football, what the defense is doing, where it's going, and how it's attacking him. And how will he perform week to week? Uh, against defenses that are schemed to stop him. That's what you don't know about. That No one knows that, and we won't know that until he, he's handed the keys to the car and drives off the lot. Does uh, that make any sense ma- at all? Makes absolute sense to me. And lastly, uh, Wayne Larrabee, with your sweet, sweet money there from the Packer Radio Network, where would you put your money on Sunday, on the Eagles or the Chiefs? Well, you know what? My career in the NFL began in Kansas City. Yeah. So, you know, I'm pulling hard for the Chiefs. But here's the thing, and I think this will turn the Super Bowl. It'll be, it'll be kind of subtle. Uh, I think it's going to be a very good game. But that Philadelphia offensive line, pounding and pounding and pounding, um, I think that's the best line in football. And Miles Sanders, you know, what looks like a two-yard run is usually a four- and five-yard run. And it's that line that will make the difference in this game. And I think that's why Philadelphia will win. 
So if I had to put my money on somebody, I guess it would be Philadelphia. <laughs> but I'm rooting for Kansas City. <laughs> that, make, that makes sense. Hey, man, it's a pleasure to talk to you for the first time. Maybe calling you again. Love listening to you on the Sundays when I'm not calling Saskatchewan Rough Rider games. Thanks for your time. Hey, all the best to you guys. All, take care and uh, call anytime. That's yeah, great to have Wayne Larravee on the show. We're going to have another great legendary voice. We call this like almost like a behind-the-mic type of deal because Mitch Holthus, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, you don't know who that is? Touchdown, Kansas City! He will join us uh, after 5 o'clock. So there you are, Zinger. You're smiling like a butcher's dog. What do you think? He's that's awesome. That's just amazing, man. Wayne Larravee on Regina Airwaves. It's just, uh, that's, You're all geeked that's awesome, up. man. You're all geeked up. What do you think, though? Seriously, I like Aaron Rodgers as a player, one of the best quarterbacks ever to play, even though he only won one Super Bowl, handful of MVPs. Uh, I like the fact he doesn't care what anybody else thinks about him, including his own family. But the guy's a bit of a, like, isn't it time to move on from him almost? They've got know. an interesting decision to make. Like, they could run it back and take a run in a, in a kind of a so-so NFC. But, like, he's going to a house. Yeah. To, like, can he just decide, have a couple of chips? He owns the Milwaukee Bucks. Can he go to a Bucks game and then say, you know what, I'm coming back or I'm not coming back? It's a very tough, very tough scenario for a fan like myself that has been watching Aaron Rodgers every single weekend ever since he was drafted. And now he was drafted in 2005. He backed up far for three years. His first year starting was in 2008. Every single weekend... And the odd Thursday, you're talking to a guy who's watched every single snap of this guy's career. Mm-hmm. So it, it's hard for me to be like, yeah, it's time to move on. But it's just like it's like breaking up in a, a okay, relationship. Okay, so right now, right now we got to go here. But will he quarterback the Packers or somebody else? If you had a bet, I, I if I were to bet money on it, I truly believe deep down that he might be traded. I think he's going to either retire or finish off as a Packer. I he's, hope, I hope he's that's going right. to do the opposite of what Brett Favre did. He's going to right. stay. That's what he's going to do. That'll be his legacy. I hope you're right. Draft him a receiver, get him another tight end, and a couple guys that can block for him, and the Green Bay Packers will be close to a Super Bowl again. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Thirty-two at the Sports Ticker, the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Blue Jays on the radio is coming up next. Ben Wagner as spring training gets going next week. Can you believe it? Spring is on the horizon. This is your Sports Ticker. Big news came in last night after the cage went off the air. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have signed American linebacker Larry Dean to a one-year contract extension. Last year for Dean, well, it was a dominant comeback season that saw him start in all 18 regular season games while finishing second in the Canadian Football League with 108 total tackles. The BC Lions have signed quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. to a one-year extension to keep him in the orange and black through the 2024 season. He was set to become a free agent at the end of this season. Wednesday's CFL report. Here's Michael Ball with Luke Mullinder. Let's go with uh, what we uh, apparently know. Trevor Harris, the quarterback of the Riders on the 14th. Uh, that's a good signing. I, I mean, people are people on our text line at 936-60-262. We had a caller, too. Skeptical about signing a 36-year-old quarterback. Why can't we develop our own? But Luke, as I pointed out, only Calgary develops quarterbacks. Nobody else in the league is developing quarterbacks. There's nobody else that develops well, quarterbacks. And, and if you think about it, this regime with Jay 
Mayo and Craig Dickinson. They're not into development right now. They're in, they're into getting their contracts extended and getting getting some job security. So this is going to be. I, I don't. Again, we talked about this the last time I was in here. I don't mind Trevor Harris here, but you just have to know who he is as a person. You're not going to get the guys running through a wall for Trevor Harris. So you got to surround him with leaders and leadership so that they can take the brunt of the things that everybody else needs as a unit to, to build that cohesiveness as a team. Because because he's not Darian Durant. He's not going to galvanize a team. He's not going to have guys that really want to just die for him. You know what I mean? And and, and and every good quarterback that you have liked and, you, and, and that our listeners have liked at some point, those guys, AC. I remember in 2012 when I was with the Alouettes, when AC went down the entire stadium, you could hear a pin drop. And that's turf, by the way. Right? Yeah. Because because everybody was bought into him. They're not going to be bought into Trevor Harris the way that people have bought into quarterbacks in the past here. So you just have to understand that and embrace it and surround Trevor Harris with the guys who are going to fill the leadership void that he doesn't come with. Well, you got to uh, fill in that uh, void, a.k.a. with offensive linemen, because yeah. Trevor Harris lost a 40-yard dash to this desk. Like, he has no more. Well, we've got, got one no guy. Well, yeah, I mean, we had one guy that left the pocket and ran around too much, and now we're going to have one guy that can't leave the pocket yeah. at all. And, and you're exactly right. That's what we've been saying, right? And I, I've, seen the, I've seen the, hey, this guy's signing and this guy's signing. And every single time I've seen it, I've been like, does he play O-line? No. Oh, you know, and I'm not saying that this team needs to rebuild their whole whole offensive line through free agency. I'm a realist. You can't yeah. do that. You're not going to build. But but they've got to make a, a big push for a guy like Sirocco. For, there's a couple guys yeah. out there Couture, still. maybe. Right. I, I mean, even Couture, I think, is an upgrade over a couple of the guys yeah. right now. Or at least he's, he adds some depth that you know you can jump in and he's going to play right away. I just, yeah. I, again, I don't care. I don't care. You could, you could put Tom Brady in a hyperbaric chamber in a time machine, rewind him back to when he was 29, right, and stick him out here, and he's not going to make any throws on the field right now because he's going to be moved off his launch point when he doesn't want to be with this O-line. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. What do you want? Let's play ball. Yes, spring training's right around the corner. And we had Rick Riz on the show yesterday from the Seattle Mariners. The day before that, it was Corey Provis, who is the uh, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. And we're pleased to be joined by the radio voice of your Toronto Blue Jays here in Canada, Ben Wagner. Ben, thanks for joining the show. Man, oh man, tough acts to follow. Good friends of mine with Rick and Corey. Yeah. Menace broadcasters, but... Uh, you put the pressure on early, right out of the gate. Uh, so you can you make do. Oh, you can ha- not make do. You can hang and bang with both those guys. Are those <laughs> are those two of your better friends, or do you have another uh, really good friend in in the industry in the game? You know what? I've been in baseball two decades, so um, you know I think my closest friends are probably some of the guys that I went through the wars in the minor leagues with. Mm-hmm. Will Fleming with the Boston Red Sox, Jeff Levering and Josh Mauer. They're both. With the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, Aaron Goldsmith actually tied into the the Mariners broadcast as well. We were together the same time. Jason Bonetti, who's doing a ton of stuff with the White Sox and on the national scene as well in the offseason with football and basketball. Um, <laughs> thankfully for, for me and my buddies with these starry eyes and a lot of goals and aspirations in our young 20s, 
for a lot of us, it panned out. So mm. it's, it's great to have all those guys as good, good friends. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Ben, I uh, call the Rough Rider games. I've called junior hockey here with the Regina Pats. Uh, I, I marvel at baseball announcers when, you know, here's the 2-1 pitch. That was a cutter that missed, or that was a slider that missed. How do you tell those pitches? That's the one thing that always boggles my mind. This is the time of year to get familiar with that. You know, you stand behind uh, a cage, essentially, a chain-link fence on what they now refer to as the 12-pack, which, um, you know, after hours, that means one thing. But during baseball and spring training, (laughs) it means another thing. It's 12 consecutive mounds lined up in a row. And, you know, at 8.15, you know Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, and a handful of other guys are going to be out there on those mounds. And you can go right up behind where they're pitching. And sometimes you can hear, and you know some of the nonverbal indicators when working with a catcher. All right, now Kevin's going to throw a splitter. Oh, wow. Now I just saw a splitter seven times in a row. So you get a really good Mm. feel of what it looks like. You can cheat on the monitors with modern technology that now exists. You can do a lot of uh, a lot of cutting corners, so to speak, without just keeping your eye on the exact pitch when you're sometimes a couple of hundred feet away and you know your your plane changes a little bit. But uh, the good news is, you know, baseball continues to advance. The, the tools that they offer us in the broadcast booth are infinite, and you just have to figure out what works well. And I love describing pitches and. You know, kind of diving into that data and on mm-hmm. what maybe made a fastball better on a given day, or in the case of Kevin Gosman, like we talked about, his splitter, Alec Manoa's slider, he's got a couple of them, and you've learned those things this time of year. This time of year, when you're with the ball club, you're standing next to the players, and you can have those conversations, and that's what makes being on the field day in and day out and talking with these guys, these guys so important. So you mentioned Manoa, Gosman, uh, uh, Barrios, and we've got Eric Swanson coming over in a trade with Seattle for Hernandez. I mean, and then, of course, you got Romano coming out of the bullpen. Nice arms on this team. Really good arms. A couple of glaring things that the Blue Jays needed to address in the offseason, they did. They know the window. We've heard about the window for five years leading up to this one. And this is the prime. I mean, it's, this baby's wide open right now in a win-and-go-after-it mentality for the Blue Jays. And when things are deficient, it really comes up in the worst possible times. If your outfield defense is lacking, guess what happens in the postseason? It rears its ugly head. It happened twice to the Toronto Blue Jays in that epic comeback that the Mariners pieced together on that Saturday night at Rogers Center. Uh, so those are a couple of things that you had to address going into the offseason. How do you make the Blue Jays' defense better? How do you make the bullpen deeper? How do you have reserves in the rotation that are, are a little bit more than the fringe guys and six-year free agents slash you know prospects coming through the system? So... The Blue Jays had a number of needs, and they went out, and I think they did a really good job. I think they did a really good job this offseason in addressing three glaring things for me that they had to address uh, in between November and then the start of spring training. And you never know what might crop up in a, in a trade package as well mm-hmm. before this thing really gets underway uh, that makes the Blue Jays even that big, much bigger of a splash. So. It's a really, it's a really exciting time, and again, I think that this team was not that far away, but they certainly had some glaring needs. And having somebody around the Anthony Bass, Jordan Romano, um, and bringing in Swanson and 
you know, hopefully a couple of guys can make a splash out of the farm system too. I, I you know, I think the bullpen is in a much better situation. So I uh, about a month and a half ago. Two months ago, we have the audio. I picked my way too early World Series prediction. I got my Padres against your Blue Jays. That's who's going to be in the World Series. That's who I feel is going to be in the World Series. People have been waiting on the Padres for, yeah. uh, I talked about a five-year window, uh, yeah. five years. Oh, That's God. How long have they been waiting on the Padres? God, God. Uh, my team's usually out by May, so last year was a great uh, great thing. And then the year before that, it was uh, halfway through the season, they, they tanked. Hey, listen, my good friend who does the show right before me, the midday guy, Colin Lovequist is a big Blue Jays fan. He told me to ask you this question specifically. Bichette avoids arbitration. With the way the rules are changing and no shifting now, Bichette the second, Espinal the short. He wanted me to ask you that. How do you feel? Don't see it happening. Don't see it happening this year. Um, you know, you know, Santiago Espinal has some of the best footwork and you know one of the elite gloves. Now that you insert Matt Chapman mm-hmm. onto the diamond, that's the elite glove, of course. Uh, but Santiago Espinal, you know, he, he, he last two years we've watched it. Um, he has slowed down over the course of the season, uh, even with the new rules, even with the shifts. Uh, I don't see the Blue Jays, and in this case, with the three-year deal to avoid arbitration for the next two years with Bo Bichette, you know, there's a there's there's going to be some conversation. There has to be some conversation from the front office to the player before these deals get done mm-hmm. about solidifying that position. How comfortable is this player going to feel going into every offseason, knowing that? His job may or may not be in jeopardy. Uh, I just don't see Santiago Espinal being the everyday shortstop with the Blue Jays, especially, of course, now. Um, but, listen, nothing is off the table. We have seen some longer pockets with Bo and his struggles defensively. And early last season, those struggles came up. You know, one with the throws, a couple of times with the glove. And there were some whispers whether or not the Blue Jays were going to try to give Bo a blow away from the position for a couple of days, and there is no question that Santiago Espinal is the next line of defense at the shortstop position. But to go in and make a change like that, you know, this is not this is not the time where you do that. Uh, and and that would be that might be a bigger story going into Blue Jays and a bigger distraction going into spring training with the Blue Jays than the constant building chatter of when are the Blue Jays going to extend Bo slash Vlad. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is an interesting one. Under the radar for me. I'm not a baseball expert. We're talking arms. A creative deal by signing Chad Green to a two-year, $8.5 million deal. A guy coming off Tommy John. It's kind of a player option, team option type of thing. It's an interesting creative deal that could be a home run for both sides. It really could. And, and the Blue Jays have a knack of identifying guys either in a situation like Chad Green's or maybe an underutilized pitch. When they, when they crank them into the data think tank that's down here in Dunedin, uh, they churn out a list of possible candidates and what the Blue Jays really value and pitch selection. And it goes into everything. Pitch selection, spin rate, what they really believe in, and pitch usage as well. And how does that mirror with that player? Uh, this is something where Chad Green fits the mold perfectly on what the Blue Jays try to identify as a high risk or a low risk, sorry, low risk 
and high reward return. And this benefits the player. Listen, this is a lot of security for somebody that's probably really worried about a job when he has to go under the knife and have this long track back. There is a lot of there is a lot of emphasis and and certainly some stability at the end of the tunnel if you can get over this because nobody nobody when you talk to the players enjoys the rehab process it is absolutely gut-wrenching let alone the mental fatigue it takes but chad green's a guy that was thrown out of the bullpen seemingly every day the durability is there and at times the blue jays in the last couple of years have had some durability issues and if you have a guy and yeah you can put the tag yeah he's bouncing back from surgery but you're two of this you're two of this if your one works out this is where you really make your hay and you expect that durability to be there for a player that has been there in really pressure-packed situations. That's exactly where the Blue Jays want to use him. Well, my friend, guess what? You did a great job, and you, not that you need my approval, but you were toe-for-toe toe with Provis and uh, Ritz in terms of interviews, okay? Oh, there we go. There we go. That <laughs> makes my night. Have yourself a great day. Thanks, Ben Wagner. All right. Thank you. Be well. That's the voice on the radio of the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll be back with the commissioner of the SJHL in a minute on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at SportsCage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Time to check in with the SJHL's commissioner on the Western Pizza Hotline, Kyle McIntyre. Just fresh back from the uh, showcase between the MJHL and his SJHL. How did you find things over there in Manitoba? Hey, Michael. Uh, outstanding. Uh, it was a great level of competition, high level of play. It was intense. It was fast. There were no kids in either league that were mailing it in. Uh, our players were excellent ambassadors for our league and for their clubs. Um, lots of NCAA scouts, lots of parents, uh, lots of NHL scouts. Uh, Showcase is back in Winnipeg again next year. And, and we really had some great individual performances from Kean Bell, who had a couple of hatties in, in a couple of the games. And Cam Herdlika, goalie from Estevan, had a shutout. And Dylan Ruptash and... Matthew Van Blaircom and Ryland Silser and Tim Tim uh, were outstanding with our young guns team. Tell me about this Bell kid, man, on North Battleford. 42 goals in 40 games. On fire. What's the league record? Well, I think it's 50 and 50. And, and interesting fact, it's held by his uncle, Martin Smith, <laughs> who also played for the North Battleford North Stars. So a little bit of healthy uh, family competition there and a little bit of rivalry. And, and I think that uh, Keen would want nothing better than to uh, either improve upon or to uh, meet his uncle's record. Well, and if he does that, then no doubt North Battleford will continue their role. And what a role it's been, Kyle McIntyre. Oh, I'll tell you, it's outstanding. So they're about three wins away from uh, clinching first overall. And, and, you know, they still have a pretty outstanding uh, record. They got 39 wins and three losses and two overtime losses, one shutout loss. And, and so they're leading our league uh, with 81 points and about a 900 uh, percentage in terms of winning. Uh, they're still first in the CJHL. They dropped off that radar for about a week or two, but they're back on top of the standings across Canada. Well, Cody Mapes and Kevin Saworski have that Weyburn Red Wings team uh, playing great here down the backstretch. They're making it a dogfight in the Viterra division. They sure are. I went and watched the game on Saturday night, and I sat with alumni Ward Edwards. Oh, yeah. And, uh, Sutton Burden plays on that team, and, oh, it was a good game. Uh, you know, they've really come along, and if I was in first or second, I certainly don't want to play the Weyburn Red Wings. Yeah, talk about the playoff race. After North Battleford, we kind of touched on Weyburn. It's a real uh, scrappy affair to, you know, like, from two to eight. 
Yeah, we got Marange, Humboldt, and Flintflon. They're all competing for uh, second and third. And, of course, uh, got Melford, uh, Nippelin, Estevan kind of going for that sixth spot. And and the problem is is that in the northern rinks especially, uh, the size of the rinks and some of the character of the rinks uh, really gives that home team a uh, home team advantage. And so, really, your positioning is going to determine uh, whether you got home ice advantage. So, uh, maybe these teams aren't going to get first place. No one's going to catch North Battleford. But certainly home ice uh, advantage is a big thing they're playing for right now. It's a good point. I, I've been, uh, you know, I think home ice advantage, especially when I watch the NHL, maybe the WHL, it's overrated. But I think in your league, it, it, does, uh, ha- it does pack a punch, so to speak. Oh, I tell you what, like, if you play in a place like LaRange or Flin Flon or Nippon, you notice a sizable difference in, in the size of the ice, right? So... Your special teams, your power play, your penalty kill, your forecheck, you're just your time and space, your ability to make plays. It's all taken away in those small rinks. So all those teams play a pretty robust, a fast-paced game with lots of hitting and lots of forechecking. And so it's a lot different than, you know, playing in Humboldt or playing in, in uh, Melville or playing in Yorkton on a bigger sheet. So uh, Kyle McIntyre joining us here for a couple more minutes, Commissioner of the SJHL. You're honest to a fault, so I like that, so I can ask you good and bad. I don't like to use the word bad or negative, but let's start with positive. So far, what have you liked about uh, your season this year as a league? Well, I really like uh, I like the speed and the skill that's in the league. I think it's uh, really underrated in terms of uh, the quality of play. I really like that. Love it. It's uh, it's excellent. It's exceeded my expectations. And so that would be the positive. Yeah, in terms of, I don't want to say negative, but things that you maybe from your end or you just want to see fine-tuned in your league. Well, I think probably fine-tuning. Like, you know, at Hockey Canada has brought in the whole new maltreatment and uh, I think what people, it's a cultural shift in hockey, Michael. And so people have to understand now that the arena, the ice surface is like a place of employment. It's like a professional place. So what we said and what we did uh, 30, 35 years ago, or even 20 years ago is no longer acceptable in hockey. And so I sound like a broken record when I'm, when I'm saying that to, to players or to teams, but really that's probably been our greatest challenge this year is just making sure that Everyone understands what is acceptable now and what is not acceptable in the game. Kyle, I uh, I had Chris Nyland on uh, last week, I guess, or a couple of weeks ago, and I basically said, you know, I think it's time, and I think I had Tim Peel on to the former NHL ref, and he agreed. I, th- I think it's time in hockey for us to look at getting rid of fighting altogether. How do you feel about fighting? It's a little different for you because you're, uh, you know, you're in charge of a league that has to do with young men, even kids in some cases. How do you feel about fighting in the game? Because I'm, I'm this way. If we have rule, because people say, oh, well, people take runs at guys. Well, but there are rules in the rule book. You talked about workplace rules right there. There are rules in the rule book that we don't really need fighting anymore if it's called the way it should be. Well, you know what, Michael, if you go to an NHL game or to a Western Hockey League game or even to an SJHL game, not that fighting is frequent uh, in any any of those events, nothing will bring the fans to their feet sooner or more rapidly than a good tilt. And and you know what, sometimes, you know, unfortunately, sometimes stick work prevails in in the league and you do need someone sometimes just to police the game or, or you need people to feel like if I cross the line, this will be the consequence. So I think you still need a policeman uh, on your team in a league or or maybe someone that can physically uh, uh, start or stop things in a game. 
Uh, that might not mean it's fighting, but it might be a physical edge or it might be some intimidation. How do you feel about this then? Because I never went down this. Uh, I've kind of touched on way back in the past. I believe, to me, I can't believe a hockey player, especially when he gets to the pros, wouldn't wear a visor. Like, we have all this hockey equipment, but guys still don't wear visors. I think face protection, some form or fashion, should be mandatory in hockey all the way through. Yeah, you know what? I, I think you know what? Uh, the longer that I'm in this position, and you're you're seeing some of the injuries that happen, I think I got to concede that too. I think it's a really good idea. You know what? You don't get another set of eyes. Um, sometimes you don't get another set of chiclets, <laughs> and so you want to protect that. So I could go. I could go either way with it, but. Bottom line for me, you definitely got to have facial protection, whether it's a visor or whether it's a full cage. Like this guy, we talk to him pretty uh, regularly. It's Kyle McIntyre, Commissioner of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Thanks for your time, Commish. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Yeah, it's great to have uh, the Commissioner on. And, hey, ask him about fighting. He likes, he's not against fighting. Uh, ask him about visors. He's for visors. What about you? Uh, hey, did you, sorry, did you see that one thing uh, Marty Brodeur complained when Alex Ovechkin was wearing the tinted visor? Brodeur complained because he couldn't see Ovechkin's eyes, and that's one of the reasons why Ovechkin lost his his yeah. tinted visor. Marty, Marty just throwing a fit. Yeah, and then, and then Hash, the goalies hate him. Hash yeah. is complaining because his little kid's on Sorry the ice. Cutting you off, no, man. I, um, I, uh, I don't know. It's going to be very... What was I going to say again? You cut me yeah, off and I I'm forgot. A, what was who it about? am I to cut you Wait. off? Oh, 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 where do you... Where do you... You're my buddy. Where do you... Where do you weigh in? I never asked you. Where do you weigh in in fighting? I'm not a snowflake. I like physicality. Shoot, my son plays football. I broadcast probably the most physical sport outside of rugby in football. In the sport of it's football. It's goofy. I, but I've I been think fighting is years. stupid. What about, but what about this? Because I asked Kyle this. Wearing eye protection. Everybody should have to wear eye protection, like visors. Mandatory. Yeah. In all levels of hockey. Yeah, I, I like that one. But the thing is, you know, they slap visors on them, but then they always put them up. You know, they're yeah. not even covering their eyes yeah. half the time. I don't know, man. If I was it's making tw- if I was making twelve million like, like Connor McSlap, you know? Like it, how like, dumb is Taylor Hall? He gets his face stepped on in pregame warm ups, comes back and goes back out there again without his helmet on in pregame warm ups. Let's go, huh? Let's go. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we're gonna take a break when we come back. I said, man, this is like uh, the voices of the game. We had Ben Wagner on from the Blue Jays. We had Wayne Larravee from the Green Bay Packers in the 4 o'clock hour after 5. Touchdown, Kansas City! Mitch Holfisk joining us on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. 36-36 tie in overtime. Chiefs first down and goal to go. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants it. A comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey on a push fade comeback. And the Chiefs have won this incredible divisional playoff game in overtime. All right, time to head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. This is like our behind-the-mic show today. We had Wayne Larravee on earlier from the Packers Radio Network, and now we got Mitch Holfus from the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Uh, Wayne had some great things to say about you. He listed you as one of the best in the business, so uh, tip of the cap to you, Mitch. Well, and a tip of the cap back to Wayne. 
uh, I would echo uh, the thoughts and boomerang it back his way. You know, he warmed the chair for me. Mm-hmm. He was the voice of the Chiefs prior to Kevin Harlan, and then I took Kevin's place. But, yeah, for sure. But I also want to give a shout-out. I want to dedicate this segment to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who became Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, let's start with Weston Dressler, uh, wide receiver. Jerry Cornelson, who was one of the original men of the franchise back when they were the Dallas Texans, was a rough rider. And then um, also, uh, gosh, uh, Robert Holmes, who played on the mm-hmm. Super Bowl Four championship team, uh, was a rough rider before being a chief. So give it up for our Saskatchewan rough riders. What a showman. You pronounced Saskatchewan right, and you tied it in. <laughs> what a true what a true professional. I know you're busy with your own things, obviously, here at Super Bowl week. Do you watch the CFL at all? What do you think of the CFL, our three-down game? Because, you know, a lot of people are talking about Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all these guys. Well, we've been throwing the ball around the yard with guys like Warren Moon, Jeff Garcia, those type of players for years up here. Yep. And Warren Moon was a chief for a brief time. Yes, he was. Uh, at the end of his career. But uh, I love the CFL. I think the role of the CFL is more prominent just because of the advancement of the National Football League. Uh, the fact that you see these other leagues. I mean, we know that they're, they're out there. But with the uh, Canadian Football League, uh, the development of players finding anywhere that the NFL can find players uh, becomes a... Uh, you know, an asset. And I think that's the case with the CFL. I'm not just saying that to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, our senior team reporter, Matt McMullen's right here. And we were just talking about uh, these guys that played for the Chiefs and the Rough Riders. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, Calgary, we can just go right down the line. I think it's a, uh, I think it's awesome. It's awesome, man. Mitch Holthus joining us here. How did you come up with that signature call that I opened this segment with, your touchdown call? How did you come up with it? You know, very organic. But think about it. Um, three hard syllables there, Kansas City, and it's almost like a percussionist uh, that's banging a cymbal. It's there, and it's, it's you don't have to fabricate it because it's um, there is a hard consonant. But it, it, it organically happened. It started back in the uh, kind of the early 2000s in the Dante Hall time, and it stuck. But what's kind of fun is I'll, I'll see little kids playing, right? They're playing a pickup game, or they don't see me or know who I am or whatever, but then they'll play and then they'll do a touchdown Kansas city as little kids. And I thought, you know what? My work is done here. Mm-hmm. I can, I can move on. Uh, so that's awesome, uh, man. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. I love it when a radio guy can bring the game to life. Who's your, who's your favorite, yes, who's your favorite all time chief? Can you answer that? Ooh, man, I've got so many. Uh, I really can't not to single them out. One of these days I'll write a book. Nobody <laughs> will read it, but I'll write it just to be cathartic and I'll have my all time chiefs team. Uh, but to say there's one single great chief, would be, I think, somewhat presumptuous. Mm. Although Mahomes and Kelsey right now might be tied at the top of what they've meant to this franchise, really what they've meant to the National Football League historically. Honestly, Michael, I think they're underrated. What they have done mm. in this five-year span has not – they're just they're crushing NFL records right and left. And if they win this Super Bowl and get a second Super Bowl title together, the narrative, I think, will – you're just going to put it in big font and italicize it because people are going to realize, oh, my gosh, what have they done for five years? 
unprecedented in NFL history in many cases. You uh, you raise a very good word there. It's prominent in our world in different facets. Narratives, okay? You can't take away from the greatness yep. of Mahomes and Kelsey. They're the best of their position. But if the Chiefs don't win on Sunday, what does that narrative look like in terms of getting to the championship, all those AFC championship games, getting to the Super Bowl, and, and not winning maybe as much as they should? And I know perception's everything. In well, fact, just, yeah, I know perception's everything. Yeah, in fact, are negotiable, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and this team has been undersold, though, this year and really for the last several years. Uh, you know, people thought that the this team would be covered in volcanic ash by Halloween after mm-hmm. the Tyree Kill trade, and the narrative has been, oh, they're just going to falter. Well, they won the AFC West for seven straight years. That's second in NFL history in division dominance. So you ask the question, what happens if they lose this game? I just think they keep pedaling the bike. And Andy Reid is um, underrated as a head coach. If he's not on the Mount Rushmore of NFL head coaches, he's on the next mountain over. No, that's because a good point. What he has done, second all time in, in playoff wins in NFL history. Only a coach to have double digit playoff wins with two franchises. Uh, fifth all time in wins in NFL history. I mean, that's Andy Reid. So he's in the Chula Belichick discussion. Um, but the same thing with Kelsey and, and uh, Mahomes. Mahomes is the winningest quarterback in his first five years as a starter in NFL history. And he's every metric you grade a quarterback in, he's number one in NFL history in his first five years. But you don't hear that discussion a lot uh, just because, for whatever reason, uh, this group is. <laughs> Somewhat been under the radar, which is ludicrous as that may seem. Yeah, that's a very good point. That is kind of crazy when you put it that way. So, uh, what do you appreciate most about Andy Reid? Like, you talk about the stats, maybe from a professional standpoint or a personal standpoint, as the voice of the team. Well, I'll give you an answer, both professional and personal. But sometimes, here's the biggest asset of Andy Reid is he gets the human spirit. Andy's a fascinating guy. He went to a very, uh, diverse high school in Los Angeles growing up at John Marshall high school. Mm -hmm. And then he was going to go to USC. Of course, he was a great athlete, but he tore his knee up. He had to go to Glendale Juco. And then he goes to BYU, but then he coaches at San Francisco state where they have zero recruiting budget. I mean, they're selling cookie dough on the street just so they can have a recruiting budget. Um, And he's Northern Arizona, UTEP. I mean, he wasn't at, you know, prominent schools until he got to be with the Packers and he was on Mike Holmgren's staff in the nineties, but he had never been a head coach until he got the Philadelphia Eagles job. And so, uh, truthfully, he's, a he's just, he's amazing. All those experiences helped him. He gets the human spirit. He is able to relate to players and then he's a brilliant dude. I mean, he, he's really revolutionized the game more than people think in the passing game in specific in the way he uses geometry. Uh, he'll write a book someday or give seminars. He won't give it out yet. But there's some secret sauce to Andy on the field in the way he designs plays and concepts, but also uh, in his, his, the way he uh, handles basically being a CEO. He's a terrific motivator. He can relate to everybody that's in the organization, and he wants to. He's a listener. Uh, he'll absorb it, and then he acts. And, and, again, that's not given enough credit. And then don't overlook Andy's toughness. Everybody thinks, oh, he's an, you know, he's Uncle Andy. 
he's bringing you know fried chicken to the the uh, <laughs> family gathering. No, he's coming after you, yeah. which is what I said on NFL Network back in the spring. And he's coming after you, and he's coming after you with the best quarterback in the league. And here we are, mm-hmm. we're back in the game where people thought we'd be out of it by Halloween. Sounds like I got two books to read: Mitch Holfus and also Andy Reid. I can't wait till those <laughs> books come out. Hey, so you've That's we've talked we've talked about Andy Reid. It could be the Andy Reid Bowl. It could be the Kelsey Bowl. You talked about Mahomes yep. for Mitch Holfus, the long. Long-time announcer for the Kansas City Chiefs. What is the biggest storyline for you here for this Super Bowl? That the 10 years of winning, unprecedented winning for the Kansas City Chiefs, and again, NFL historic proportions with division dominance and winning 12 games for five straight years, uh, is either and to host five straight AFC championship games, which has never been done by an NFC or AFC team. The pillars and the the concrete and the red iron of that 10 years was built in the 14 years of Andy in Philadelphia. Hmm. Meaning when he got the job with Kansas city, he brought the infrastructure of the success in Philadelphia with him to Kansas city, our athletic trainer, uh, Brett beach, the general manager, the president, Mark Donovan. Um, there's so much that our pillars of what is a chief's kingdom success. Now that was really begat in the potting soil of Philadelphia in the 14 years there. That's a great way to put it. Okay, lastly, Mitch Holfus, and thanks for taking time out of your Super Bowl week. I know it's busy, and I really appreciate it here. Uh, If the Chiefs are to win the Super Bowl here in Arizona, in your opinion, what needs to happen? Well, I might give you a hockey reference. Okay. Uh, And that is to be be physical. This is going to be, you got to pin these guys against the boards because they're going to try to pin you against the boards. I mean, just I mean, just think of uh, uh, this is a very physical uh, Philadelphia team, but the Chiefs are also physical. They're just not thought to be that way, but they're more physical than you think. But if this is a boxing match analogy or a hockey game, the, you have got to be physical. You have got to take the fight to the Eagles because they're coming after you. And it's exactly what the Chiefs did against the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are the same way. No weakness on their team. They want to knock you out early. Hey, this is if you're playing hockey and you're the Chiefs, man, this is a hard checking game from the very beginning. Slam them against the boards and take the fight to them. I think that's the that's the uh, precursor of trying to win Super Bowl Fifty Seven. It, it kind of pains me to say this only because I'm a Chargers fan. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this, but it doesn't pain me to say it this way. The Mount Rushmore of radio announcers right now in the NFL, and I've had all three on in the last two weeks. It's Merrill Reese. It's Wayne Larravee, and it's this guy, Mitch Holfus, and then I'm trying to figure out the fourth one, but you're on the mountain for me, man. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule. I appreciate it. In a lift of the chalice of the Chiefs' kingdom, of the sweet nectar that is in the chalice, raising it to our Saskatchewan Rough Riders who became Kansas City Chiefs. We remember them today. <laughs> I love it. Take care, my friend. All right. See you guys. Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's Weasel Week in the CFL. Now you can sign your own free agents, but you can tamper with the other team's free agents and come to an agreement, but not officially have it signed. So we think we got Trevor Harris. We think we got Jake Weineke. Love to... 
I feel like Eugene Lewis is going to be here, although that hasn't been reported. Larry Dean re-signed with the team. Our general manager, Jeremy O'Day, who everybody bitches and complains, he hides under a desk and doesn't talk. Well, he talked and said as much as he could say today to media. Here's a snippet of what he had to say. Can you confirm the reports? I guess the free agency started today. Trevor Harris would be signed. Um, you know, we, we're obviously right in the middle of this this, uh, this this window that we have to talk to all the players, and um, we've had some really good discussions with with Trevor Harris, and um, they've been very positive, and and we're excited about uh, getting to the 14th. Uh, so how, how does this work? You, you offer the player a contract, they can agree to it in principle, but it doesn't take effect until the 14th? Um, you can have open conversations as far as the agreeing and, you know, all that stuff. I, you know, I, I don't know what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say, but obviously you have discussions with players and, uh, and with their agents and you get to a spot where, um, you know, you're, it's, it's looking like it's going one way or the other. And, you know, this, it's kind of a, a slippery slope, I guess, when we're in this period of what you can say and what you can't say. But obviously this window is created so that you can talk to the agents and players. And uh, like I said, we've had really, really good conversations with Trevor and his representation, and we're, we're excited to get to the 14th. Twitter doesn't allow itself not to say anything. There's a report out there that Jake Wenick used to good, agreed to terms with you. I don't know if it's the same thing as Trevor. Yeah, exact same, exact same situation there, Murray. Um, we've had really good conversations uh, with Jake, and and uh, again, we're just uh, in a position where we're we're waiting to get to free agency so that we can get to that get to that point where these guys are allowed to sign contracts. The window's still relatively new. I don't know if you can compare this one to the other two, and you're coming off rather successful seasons to one where you've kind of struggled to make the playoffs. Is there a difference in how the window is being approached and how? It- how it's turned out for you? Yeah, certainly. I, I think um, you know you, you, you don't uh, you don't have to be super close to it, even if you're just a, a general fan. If you look at the amount of free agents that we have going into free agency and and the activity that we had prior to free agency, that that uh, there's going to be change uh, on our on our team, and it's and it's uh, change that we're excited about. I think if you look at our our team in the last uh, three or four seasons, I think we had some really good success uh, early on, and I think we slowly uh, regressed a little bit. Um, obviously, last year was a big big regression with with not making the playoffs. So, um, anytime that happens, there's going to be change. The team's going to look different. So, I, I don't think we're uh, going to take the approach of we just had a bad year or there was uh, just just so many things that didn't go our way. Um, we, we took the approach that uh, we we got to make change, and and we're hoping the change is for the better. At this point, what position do you think you got to focus on going into free agency? Again, uh, without trying to give off our strategy, right in the middle of uh, right in the middle of free agency, I think uh, I think the. Uh, if you just look at the roster and the and the, and the players that we uh, we have in free agency, you can you can kind of figure out the the areas that you're uh, that you're looking to fill. Um, I think if you look at the st- number of starters that we went into free agency with, um, you can uh, you can you can kind of look at that and see that there's some areas there that we're that we are focusing at, focusing in on. And and um, you know, I wish I was able to be a little bit more open with you right now in the middle of it, but it's. Uh, just a situation where we're we're right in the, the thick of things and and uh, just trying to f- finish up our plan our plan here. Do you feel your needs kind of match the position to have more depth in terms of uh, potential free agents? Uh, it's a great question, um, and in some cases yes, in some cases no. Right, so uh, there are some positions that uh, you want to add competition or you want to. Uh, 
you know, try to prove or, or make change at. Um, and in some of those positions, there's there's uh, there's not a ton of, uh, of free agents in that position, and and that's uh, uh, there's a reason there's a reason for that, right? So there's certain positions that um, there's more more quality players at than others, and and uh, and then there's other players where where those guys are at a premium. It was kind of rumored that Anthony Lanier was going to test the waters of free agency. Obviously, that didn't end up happening. How were you guys able to lock him down? Um, yeah, so uh, you know, we, we started discussions with Anthony very on very early on in the process of uh, free agency, and and uh, went back and forth with some offers. And um, you know, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to uh, to get into the to the window and and see what other teams uh, had to say. And you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, gamesmanship and and uh, leveraging that happens when you're when you're negotiating contracts. But um, you know, I think that he just uh, he's at the point of his career, you know, he's been in the NFL for a number of years, and and uh, is not a young player in in, in our league by any means. Um, but he wanted to really just get into free agency and, and just to see what other teams had to offer. And and you know, so, um, you know, we only get they only get to play the game so long, so you got to respect that they want to do that. And there's other guys that just don't want the headache of getting into free agency. They want a deal that's fair, and and they just want to uh, stay with the team that they want to be. That's Anthony Lanier. He's talking about that's the. Uh, GM Jeremy O'Day. I know they have submitted some contract offers to Darnell Sankey, the tackling machine for the Riders. He's most likely, well, he is going to free agency uh, unless something changes before next Tuesday, and I would be surprised if he is back in Rider colors. I think they'll move Larry Dean, who had 101 tackles, 19 shy of what Sankey did to the middle. Micah Tights, by all accounts, is coming back, so he'll go to Will. And the two positions you can find are receivers and linebackers, I think. That's a pretty uh, plentiful uh, spot for scouts to find guys, I believe. And Kyron Moore, apparently going to the Edmonton Elks. He is signing a deal with the Elks, so Swerve Moore. I think he's on the downside of his career, so, it, I mean, good luck to Swerve. Had some great moments here in Rider Nation. I'll be shocked if Shaq and Duke are back, so another receiver off the uh, receiver list. When we come back, we got a couple of more great segments on the show. Uh, we are going to hear from Peter Diakowski in our Where Are They Now features. We do it each Wednesday. That and much, much more coming up on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 532 with your sports ticker, and it's for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage doors so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialists. Just two games across the National Hockey League tonight. The Vancouver Canucks are in New York to meet the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. Sam Steele and his Minnesota Wild are in the Lone Star State for a date versus Dallas. NBA, the Toronto Raptors are in a battle for one of those playing spots in the Eastern Conference. They'll have to win these types of games like tonight. The 14-40 and 40 San Antonio Spurs meet the Raps at Scotiabank Arena. Opening tip at 6.30 on TSN. Tanner Howell ahead for Bedard. Potential breakaway. He's all alone. Bedard to the net. Backhander scores! 
Today on Pat Chat, we catch up with Regina Pat's play-by-play announcer, Dante DiCaria, as we were chatting about yesterday's signing session. It was a beautiful day outside, and people were lined up, sitting on lawn chairs, so they could get into the team's second signing session of the season. We know whose autograph they were in line for. <laughs> Isn't it nuts? Now, I will say, Ballsy, it is actually a pretty nice day. Yes. Looking, what was it, minus two or something? Yeah, beautiful, like, beautiful, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sun shining. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better day in the month of February. Last year at this time, I I was dreading through minus 30, minus 40. So I think people in Saskatchewan will take that. But I think he's the best player to come out of the Western Hockey League since Joe Sackick. I had an argument with someone the other day, and someone laughed at me when I said that. And I said, well, hold on a second. Uh, Connor Bedard hasn't played in the NHL just yet, but the last like unreal player to come out of the WHL, there's been some good players, to me, was Joe Sackick. And well, they, that person turned around to me and said, well, you know, um, would you say Joe Sackett's a generational player? And I looked up his numbers. He had 1,700 points in like 1,300 games. I mean, is that not generational? Like, you're talking about well over a point-per-game player over the course of his career, and he played almost until he was 40, right? And Pat Chad brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Check out everything on the CBH's new feature menu at CanadianBrewHouse.com. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. That they had to burn in their last series. Tate now going deep. Bryant is open. He's got it, and he'll score. It's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. All right, uh, the show continuing here with Riders' new receivers coach, Drew Tate, joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Drew, welcome back to Rider Nation for the third time. You can't get enough of us. No kidding, right? No, that's really cool. Third time. That's neat. I appreciate it. Thank you. So why come back to Saskatchewan? You were coaching pretty high-level football, tight ends coach with the uh, uh, Northern Iowa there with the uh, Panthers. Why come back here? I just, uh, you know, you know, Coach Dickinson called me up. Um, you know, I just the opportunity to come back there and to, you know, shock the league. I believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's that's. I mean, the opportunity is there, right? And and I still follow the CFL, and so I, you know, I knew what was going on and things like that. But um, you know, I guess it might be the uh, the competitor or the competitiveness. But either way. I just thought it was an opportunity to uh, grow professionally. And, man, just, just swing for the fences. So you've coached in American college football. You were also with the BC Lions briefly as their quarterback's coach. How is this Drew Tate as a coach going to be different than maybe the one we saw in BC? Oh, well, I think a lot different just based off of the years um, in between and the, the stops and experiences I've had. So, you know, every year is, is so valuable to, you know, you, you learn, you get better, um, you just get used to the routine and, and other finding other avenues and just get better at the job. Because that's the thing about coaching, that there's no ceiling. It can just go and go and go. You can never, there's never work not to be done. That makes sense. Yeah. What's your end goal as a coach? Have you, you probably had a goal playing as a you know as a as a quarterback in this league? But what what's your end goal as a coach? Would you like to be an OC, a head coach? Where do you see yourself? Maybe in like five or ten years. Exactly what you said, and, and so I think that that you know um, from a uh, professional standpoint, that's what um, was the exciting factor really in this opportunity and, and the challenge. 
And, um, and that's exactly what I want to do. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just, you know, you gotta, you gotta go places, you gotta make stops and to get where you want to go. And, you know, I'm very familiar with Jeremy O'Day. I took my first professional snap from Jeremy O'Day in 2007, you know, and, uh, and coach Dickey, I, I, I played for him in 2009 in Calgary when I first got there coming from that. And, uh, and then, you know, his brother obviously was my coach for about eight years. So, uh, you know, I, I, I know, like you said, the Rider Nation, Regina, Saskatchewan, um, the CFL West. I feel like I have a good feel for that. And just there's an opportunity that jumped all over it. Yeah, Coach said, and he's on the last year of his deal, uh, Jeremy O'Day as well, but Coach said, you know, I wanted to add some some more youthful attitudes to the room, a different way of looking at things, some hungry guys. I, I guess you'd fit that, Bill, wouldn't you? I guess if that's what he if that's what he said in his eyes, but that's exactly. I mean, you know, it feels good to be wanted, and there you go. There's the fastest hand right there. Well, hey, let's go do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Got nothing to lose. Yeah, and, and and how excited are you to work with a, a first-year offensive coordinator in Kelly Jeffrey? I, I talked to Coach last night. We actually went out to supper, and I said, I think it's going to be great that Drew Tate is in the room helping Jeffrey out, adding a different perspective from a quarterback side of things, even though he's the receivers coach. And Coach was all over that. That's what he thought, too. Just your thoughts on, on now breaking bread with uh, Kelly Jeffrey and, and getting down to business. No, that's really cool you say it like that, break a bread, because that's what it is. Um, we actually we were on the phone last night for about an hour um, just talking out, seeing how he sees things. You know, to me it's all about how do you see the field, how do you see your personnel, and how do you use your personnel to the best. And um, it's, it, he's been awesome so far, only with just a few conversations I've had with him, but I can, I'm, I'm really excited to work with him, help out any way I can. Um, and also Naaman, too, I mean, he's going to help. In every way, I think I think what Coach Dickinson, I guess I guess his 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 thoughts or his how he sees it, it makes sense. I mean, and, and that's the, that's kind of what I told Name and, and and Coach Kelly as well. Um, it's gonna be a great team. You know, it's just it's all about ideas, how you see the field, and then you know your personnel, how you fit it. I, uh, yeah, it's gonna be. Super excited to work with these guys. You know, it's be a great deal. as the voice of the team, I'm kind of excited too. Naaman Roosevelt, the president, comes back. He's still cutting his teeth. It's kind of like a Swiss Army nice, uh, knife on offense now as an assistant coach. We got Drew Tate, who I looked at your stats, man, and I've always liked your spunk. But in limited time, you had like 5,000 yards passing, I think 35 TDs, and 16 interceptions. Those are pretty good stats. Like if you were a free agent now, people would be clamoring to sign you as a as a quarterback and then I look at Kelly Jeffrey a guy who is an offensive coordinator uh, for a first time but he did a great job turning around Mount Allison at the university ranks here in Canada he's a, a Texas guy who's you know has a pretty good resume in terms of being here and being there in, in uh, university football down south uh, it, it seems like a room with guys with something to prove the little chip on their shoulder kind of like a Drew Tate when he played there you go I agree with you and that's what it is, right? We're just trying to find ways to win and just get better every day. I mean, there's really two things you're doing every day when you go to work. You're either getting better or you're not. And uh, there's no such thing as staying the same. Because if you're staying the same, guess what? You ain't getting better. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we can just kind of get there and just take it one step at a time and go day by day, you know, anything's possible. 
in your opinion, Drew Tate, as the receivers coach, now you you, you coached on the defensive side uh, down south last year. You were the tight ends coach at UNI, and now you're the receivers coach. What makes a good receiver in the CFL, in your opinion? That's a really, really good question. Let me think about this. I guess the best way to put this, Drew, as the receivers coach, what do you want from your group? That's maybe a better way to put it. What do I want from my group? To make plays and to be unselfish. Unselfish in the sense of blocking or unselfish in the sense of running a running a pattern, even though you're probably the third option or maybe not an option on that uh, particular play? Absolutely. Couldn't say it any better. Two more questions. What do you like best about our game, Drew Tate? I think it's just the most fun football and of any form and fashion. You got, from a quarterback's perspective, think about it. I mean, I got six eligible. Are you shitting me? <laughs> I'm going to find somebody. There's got to be one of the six open. And then it's a spread out game. The the motions, the, the route concepts. I just, you know, it, it's just, it's just all about just having fun, throwing the ball around the yards, and attacking. I love it. I, I just think, you know, and it's football only. Uh, you know, you don't have to deal with anything else. You just, you just do football and you do community. I just, to me, that's what's better than that. You know? Right. And you just summed up Saskatchewan. So that was my last question. You know, your third stint, we started the interview talking that way. It's your third stint in Ryder Nation. What makes this place so special? To me, when I talk to Americans, they say it makes me feel like home. It makes me feel like I'm back in, where football matters. Yeah, and they're right, too. Um, but, you know, that's the thing. I mean, it's really similar to Iowa. And, um, you know, I've been in uh, northern Iowa this last year, but I played college for four years in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in this state, in Iowa, it's all about the Hawks, and um, and it's you know, there's no pro team of any sport in this state. So you know, there's no NHL team in Saskatchewan. They got the Riders, and so when I was there, you know, I mean, they would drive from all over the province. You know, I say, yeah, we drove six eight hours. And I'm thinking, <laughs> damn, like it's only like two hours to the border. Like where'd y'all come from? Like y'all must have come way up north. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, I just think everything about it, just, you know, the game itself, the um, the city, the people, um, the fans, like, it just, it's all, um, it's just a collective, you know, deal. Well, I like this guy, Spunk. I'm glad he's back in Ryder Nation. Can't wait to, uh, to catch up with you in person at training camp in Saskatoon. Uh, congratulations on being back, buddy. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Great guy, Drew Tate, back in Rider Nation for the third time as our receivers coach. Should be a big help in that uh, office with Kelly Jeffries. They try to uh, go to the lab, as they like to say, and work on some new offensive schemes along with the Swiss Army Knife, Naaman Roosevelt. Coming up, we wrap the show up. It's a funny story, too, and I'll tell you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you with my next guest as it's, uh, you know, working the phones here over the last few days. It got guests mixed up. It's hilarious. It is our Where They Now feature on this Wednesday for Floor Coverings International. Need new flooring? You might. Floor Coverings International at the Design Hub brings the showroom right to you with thousands of samples. Visit FloorCoveringsInternational.com today. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. 
They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? Listen, I'm trying to get a hold of Pistol Pete Robertson, so I call this guy up, and he's talking to me for a few minutes off the air, and I'm like, this does not sound like Pete Robertson. I'm like, so I respectfully go, who is this? And you're like, Pete Diakowski. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's like, there's no way this sounds like Pete Robertson. The real Pistol Pete. Yeah, yeah. so I get, because I had asked one of your former teammates for your number, or for Pete Robertson's number, and he ended up giving me your number. So uh, I guess that was your nickname too? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so what are you up to these days, Pete? Well, I'm now five years into retirement. I'm trying hard to shed a bit of the weight. It's a long-term process. I weighed in at 280 this morning, which is still better than 335. That was the olden days. I got two beautiful little girls, Louise and Helena, six and four girls. Say hello. Oh, that's awesome. They want to go skating later, so we might be uh, getting out onto the ice. I'm here in Hamilton, Hamilton's home, and I'm still involved in the league a little bit. I'm the secretary treasurer for the Players Association, so that keeps me busy. Yeah, so uh, from the player side, all you can, you know, as much as you can get into, how do you, as we're into free agency, how do you you feel in terms of, uh, you know, we got a deal, at least we're not always talking about uh, now, oh, we're going to have another, uh, we're going to have a work stoppage, what's going to go on? So we've got that structure. How are you feeling from the player side? Well, it's funny. When you texted me as, I guess, Pete Roberts, and you said, congratulations on the new deal, I assumed you are talking about the new collective agreement. <laughs> Man, did, did my signals get crossed with you? Overall, were you pretty happy with it? I'll tell you what. I wasn't happy initially as a Canadian to see 10 years, no Canadians in the league. I don't imagine you're too happy to see that either, being a Canadian. Uh, I really believe the C in the CFL is the most important thing in the game, in my opinion. Absolutely is. And we worked very hard to get a fair deal across the board. Obviously, we were comfortable enough to sign a seven-year agreement, which is pretty unprecedented. That was, you know, one of many areas of significant contention. The league came out very aggressively on that point. And I'm sure, you you know, you remember some of the headline-grabbing demands that they had in that area. And, you know, there were, like, it just there is there is no possibility of an agreement with where they were. What we ended up with was a bit of a a compromise where we've opened the door to allow a bit of rotation from some of these you know uh, exciting players who might otherwise be stuck as designated imports while still guaranteeing um, those you know the starting Canadians on the field and of course a number of Canadians on the roster. But it's vital to keep the starting Canadians because that's what makes it valuable for teams. you got to make the stakes high and the costs high for the teams and the GMs or else they'll take the path of least resistance. And you have a fire hose of talent coming out of the States with, you know, 300 and some odd post-secondary institutions playing competitive college football down there. Yeah, you know, Pete, I find it a lazy narrative when I hear from, uh, not necessarily this guy or this guy, but just in general, the statement is, hey, with these new leagues starting up, it's harder and harder for us to get players to come up here. I find that to be a lazy narrative. Uh, absolutely. There's tons of players available. You know, are, are these leagues 
you know, maybe going to drive the demand up, which is going to push up earnings for some CFL players, hopefully. But at the end of the day, the USFL and the XFL can't compete with the CFL in the two areas that really matter to players. One is money. We're still the second best paid football league in the world. And the other one is, you know, longevity and security. The CFL is being around literally as long as the NFL, longer. Whereas, you know, you've got these flash in the pan leagues. The XFL is on its third try, fourth, depending on how you count. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Work harder, work harder, personnel guys. The players are out there. Yeah, for sure. Peter Dyakowski joining us here. Where are they now? An interview we stumbled into, and we're very happy to be talking to this guy, one of the most quotable guys when he played and and off the field here too. Now in his role with the CFLPA, here's something that I think has to be a concern, though. Okay, uh, the Peter Dyakowskis of the world, the smart guys who have options off the field. I mean, you look at Matlin Riley, a recent example. There's been the Nick Summicks of the world, uh, Mason Nias, who led his team to two straight Vanier Cups with the U of S Huskies Regina kit. Riders put him on his neglet, on the neglet, but for one reason or another, he decides that he's going to go uh, teach and coach football because uh, he has options. And I wonder uh, if that's going to be a problem in terms of getting quality Canadians. We got to get that salary up. So it looks attractive to them. No, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a big problem. And you reap what you sow. And this is going to be rearing its head more and more. The league have really pushed, they, you know, they, these are things that they've asked for, things like the um, uh, salary grid for Canadian draft picks, um, things like that where you've got the earning potential for these guys who do have options, especially high-quality individuals for whom football isn't the only thing in life. Um, it's it's going to be difficult to retain them, and we're seeing it now. Is that good for the league? You want those guys to be incentivized to stick around. So hopefully we're going to see opportunities over the life of this agreement to get more money into players' hands. We've got a, a great revenue-sharing mechanism that's you're going to hopefully be kicking in soon, and that could be an avenue whereby you see salaries across the board, Canadian, American alike, uh, go up. Yeah. And that's a good thing for the game. Peter Dykowski, we call this Cheaters Week or Communication Week. It's a chance for teams to talk to other people's free agents before the actual free agency period. Why is this beneficial, do you think? This allows you know the, the market to be more efficient. Guys get to discover what they're worth. They, they get to sort of uh, try before... They buy. There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of poker playing in free agency. And we thought mutually, you know, us in the league thought this might be a good thing because maybe guys have a chance to experience the open market in a, in a limited, restricted way and decide that they'd like to stay with with their team. You know, what we've seen in, in, in free agency in the past, guys get at loggerheads with their team. They feel they're worth this, they're producing like this, and the team wants to pay them this hmm. and so they want to go hit free agency so they blow it up with their team that they've been with and happy with and productive with for years they go out and they find that um you know that better deal isn't really out there and so now they've switched teams for not much more money or no difference in salary at all and then for the other team maybe if they realized how little more it would have taken on their offer to keep this guy they would have done what it takes 
<laughs> I love the girls. I love the girls. Yeah, there's some squirming going That's on in okay. the back here. That's okay. We got one more question for you. You played here in Saskatchewan after being out east, okay? Just because we're coming into a phase here of free agency, and it's the smallest market, and, you know, I've been hearing from media, so getting into it in Twitter with some media types and some fans, this isn't as desirable as it used to be, and nobody wants to go to Saskatchewan. What were your impressions of Saskatchewan when you came here? You said the smallest market. It's the biggest market. This is the biggest CFL market. I wanted to play 15 years with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That was my team, and everybody wants that. But at the end of the day, it wasn't going to happen. I signed a deal with the Argos because I didn't want to move, and Sask wanted me in free agency. Well, they still wanted me, and they did a deal to trade for me. And the the funny thing was, when they were going to do the the trade, Jail called me, and he's like, if we trade, we actually show up. Because, you know, we had talked in free agency, and I didn't want to leave my family behind. And I said, let me sleep on it. Talk to my wife the next day. I called him back, and I said, you know what? Do it. Because I figured one team wants me a lot more than another team. I should go where they want me. And from the moment... The plane touched, actually even before the the, the plane touching, because I felt so good the whole flight there. But from the moment I got to camp up there in Saskatoon, I loved every minute of it. Chris Jones was a head coach then. It's a it's a fun and exciting environment when he's a head coach because you never know what's going to happen. We had a <laughs> we had a great season. I had a great team. There was a great group of guys that 2017 Riders season. We we crossed over. We got to the East final. I wanted to still play a bit more football after that, but that season was so fun and satisfying. I started the whole season. I didn't, you know, I, you know, I got some little nicks and stuff. I didn't have any big frustrating injury. And that was a great way to cap it off. I'm so glad everyone there is fantastic. Everyone listening to the shows, pat yourself on the back right now. Whoever is listening to stop, pat yourself on the back. You're incredible fans. You make it a great place to play. The facilities are amazing. Guys want to play in Saskatchewan. I don't think it's like it used to be. At least that's my impression, especially guys who know the league. Maybe rookies, maybe you're trying to sign a guy out of a top Div 1 school Mm -hmm. and he's never heard of Regina in his life. That's one thing. But guys who know the league, they respect Saskatchewan. I I loved it there. I'm so glad I played there. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for uh, taking time and taking my call when we at least expected to talk to each other. Go have fun on the ice or whatever you do with your girls. I'll leave you alone now, okay? Yeah, they're waiting to get on the way. And I'm, I've been really focusing on my ice skating and my piano playing. I'm taking piano lessons. Oh. The girls are in skating lessons, so I'm taking them skating a lot. And consequently, I am now a better ice skater at my advanced age than I ever had been earlier in life because I grew up in Vancouver, not a big skating yeah. city. And I think also being 50 pounds lighter helps. So there you go. Thanks well, for having me on. Well, continued success. Talk to you later, buddy. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Former Rough Rider for one season. Longtime Tiger Cat, Peter Diakowski, won a national championship with LSU, too. Zinger, let me just look. At, well, first of all, we'll get to these texts to wrap the show up, Capital Ford Lincoln. This one from Eli. I like Trevor Harris. Might get a few good years from him, and he could be a good mentor for backups. Get him protection, though. I love Drew Tate coming back. A quarterback. Excellent choice from Eli. From Leonard. I found Jeremy O'Day hiding under the desk. I told him Michael Ball says, get out from under the desk. He says he was scared, LOL. I didn't say O'Day. 
O'Day was under the desk. I said fans were saying O'Day was under the desk. True story, you, man. You, you want him to talk. He can't really say much, so you can't have it both ways. And this from Brandon. That, to me, was one of your best interviews all year. Well, we're only a month and a bit in, Brandon, but thanks. Yeah, voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holthus, and voice of the Rough Riders, chopping it up. Love it. I love the fact Mitch tied in the Riders. That was sweet, man. He, Super Bowl week. He, he not only it. knows his National Football League, yeah. but he, he loves the Canadian Football And he loves the CFL. Check this out. Folks, if you just tuned in, the show's done. It's three to six every day, or a little over six, but we're just wrapping yeah, we it up. Okay, so check this out. Check this out. If you missed the show, check it out in podcast form. We had Jeremy O'Day Audio. We heard from the Saskatchewan Rush. We had uh, Dale Durkatch's son, Dason, talking about the Canada Winter Games in Team Saskatchewan. Wayne Larrabee, voice of the Green Bay Packers. Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Mitch Holthus, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. We had... Kyle McIntyre of the SJHL, their commissioner. Drew Tate, your new receivers coach of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And Peter Diakowski joining us today. That's a beautiful show. Isn't that not a, you tell me. We're, it's Listen, it's my grandpa said it's not bragging if you could do it. So it's not bragging. This is the best damn talk show you're going to find in Saskatchewan and, dare I say, close to Canada. I wouldn't say I'm in like the, I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I'm the best in this control room for a sports talk show. <laughs> Tomorrow we got another great show lined up, Arash Madani from the uh, Super Bowl, Glenn Suter from TSN, that and much, much more. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Sean Kleisinger for producing this thing and doing a great job lining up the guests. We will talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports page has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.